0: My story is real different from everybody else's. I never really went through no hardship or none of that shit like that. I was a kid that 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 grew up very privileged.
1: So if a uh, up and coming producer wants to work with you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? And when you're not really having that brand or
2: in that position to really like press a nigga about your business. No, he stole the song. Pretty
0: much, You ain't gotta say it like, cute <laughs> <Q. laughs> <laughs> niggas would be calling me like, yo, we need to deliver these files and turn this shit in, and one of my writers ain't get paid. And I'm like, man, I ain't sending you no files, nigga. And I work for the company. So hold on, we gotta go back. we gotta go back in this.
2: Alright, welcome back to another episode of the podcast, y'all. Listen, today we got we finally done got him on here. You already know we finna talk about hella shit, but we got hitmaker, you know what I'm saying? What's up with you, bro?
0: Appreciate y'all having me for real.
2: Yeah, yeah. I ain't gonna lie, Hitmaker already a vibe. Like, bro, we just chilling in here, you know what I'm saying? I can tell this finna be fire. We also got JB in here. JB, yes, what's up man. with you? And we also got, you know, we got Mimi from Producer Culture. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but well, let's go ahead and get to the credits. So we got Big Sean, Meek Mill, Lil Wayne, Nicki Minaj, Amarion, A Boogie, Megan Thee Stallion, Tink, Rihanna, Ty Dolla Sign. I'm missing like 30 other people, bro. You know what I'm saying? Okay. The
0: whole industry, man. Fuck it.
3: Everybody. Legendary.
1: Who's the one person you say you didn't work with yet?
0: Oh ho, Jay. You know, um, not directly. But um, when I was like, when I was younger, when I signed a DMX, I think I got my first deal. I dropped out of high school in like 14 and like ninth grade. And I got my first record deal with DMX, but um, I had like a crazy ass bidding war going on. Um, it was it was wild. Is like when I was that old, like I was like four foot four, like no bullshit or whatever. And like I was like the just spitter, like the rapping nigga that like yo, big homies were like get them. and you just go get everybody and just start spitting bars. And um, I went to a club called Luna Park. They paid like a thousand dollars to get me in a club in LA. And um, I ended up meeting Dr. Dre that night, Jay Z, Dame Dash, everybody. Then like I had like a wild like battle rap in front of the club with Exhibit, Dame Dash, Hov was there, whatever. And like Jay Z was leaving the club, and I was on like the fucking top of the stairs, and my producer Books, who's still my mentor to this day or uh, whatever, he works with Kanye, like a nigga a legend now too. And he was like, "Hey yo, Jay." And then it's like the whole club stopped. And then Jay Z just turned around. He's like, Man, you ain't heard shit until you hear my shorty rap. I went, rap for them niggas or whatever. Then they offered me a record deal. And at that time, I had deals from like Tommy Boy, uh, of course, DMX, who I eventually ended up signing with. Um, Rockefeller, I probably had, Universal, I probably had like six, seven deals on the table. It's like a young kid, like 14. And I end up going with um, DMX. DMX like, shorty, you know, uh, fuck, you gotta come with me, fuck all that shit. So DMX was my favorite rapper, which is crazy because Jay-Z is who Jay-Z is now. But in that moment, DMX was the biggest thing to me. Like I just went from asking my dad to buy me um, his album, I think it was Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood for Christmas, and then I ended up meeting a nigga and then being signed to him right after that, like literally. That's
1: hard as fuck. Damn, we're gonna get into all of that. We're gonna break that down. But first, let me ask you some icebreaker questions. So, what song would you say describes your life?
0: Shit, I don't know. It depends on what day of my life it is, you know what I'm saying. But uh, as far as song to describe me, it would probably be a uh, Big Sean bounce back, where I'm at in my career right now, because um. It was crazy, like I wasn't even like, that was a wild night for me. I was in a studio, well actually I made a makeshift studio in my house and I just stopped doing like love and hip hop and all that dumb ass shit or whatever and I bought this fucking house. It was like 8,000 square foot or whatever. I was renting this house and like, I was using it as motivation for me to like, pay my bills. I'm like, boy, I gotta work my ass off. Boy, I got this high ass rent. So I put the studio in my crib. Like my my engineer came through as a makeshift studio, put a mic in the closet. And my engineer was just on his laptop. And me and Jeremiah, a lot of people don't know that me and Jeremiah wrote the hook to bounce back. And it was like the craziest thing because that night we was in a studio and we was all on ecstasy. Like, I ain't gonna lie. And fucking, um, I had like, we had a bunch of girls with us or whatever. We had did like nine songs and like, I was ready to get up out of there and go upstairs with my shorty or whatever. And he like, nah, bird, I got one more in me. I got one more. And Smash David had sent me a pack of beats and I ended up pulling up that bounce back beat. And um, he just went in there and like kind of mumbled, bounce back. And then I was like, oh, no, nah, that's it. We went, reworked this. Shout out to Jay. And because Jay is like one of the first people to really give me my shot shot as a producer and a writer. And um, from there, shit, we did that song. I presented it to Big Sean then from there Sean was like I don't know if people gonna like this shit but I really love it. let's just throw it out there he threw it out there Metro booming it up adding to it and then from there that was like my first song with my tag on it because Big Sean was such a real nigga like everywhere else and all the other songs I've been doing like niggas was taking my tag off the songs so like I had to go like make a makeshift tag to where like every time I wrote a song and co-produced a song I would be like oh and put it in that shit like it's in mad songs that I could point out to y'all or whatever but I would just leave it in make it a part of the song. So niggas, it wasn't like me saying hit maker at the beginning or whatever because niggas was hating. And Big Sean was like, bro, like don't you have a tag or something, bro? Like go put your tag at the beginning of the song. And then that was my first song. that with my tag on it. That went crazy. You know, that shit like seven times platinum right now. I had multiple licensed syncs I had like Super Bowl commercials, like two or three. That was my first time getting like a real residual. I think my first residual from that shit was like half a ticket. So man, shout out to Big Sean. Bounce back for real. Describe my career, for real.
1: That was hard as fuck. So who would you say was your childhood um, actress crush?
0: Actress. Um, I don't know. Probably like the normal shit like Rudy Huxtable or some old shit like that or whatever. Fucking like uh, Hillary Banks or Ashley Banks from the Fresh Prince or some shit like that. You know, some young shit. Oh, yeah, no, like Megan Good. I think Megan yeah, Good was sure. the That's one back then. Things. That's what I was yeah. waiting for. I was waiting for that. Yeah. One. Like, Nia Long
1: or something,
0: yeah. yeah. Me- Megan Good was the one for show. Sure. Shout out to Megan and, you know, her family and all
1: that. So what would the title of your autobiography
0: be? Um, resilient, you know, because I've been through so much shit, you know, but to still be here and talking about it is, like, I don't even use, like, my interviews and do nothing to pop shit because it's like, everybody know I got paper. Everybody know I'm successful, but I really want to, like, more so like zoom in on the fact that like all the shit that I went through and overcame and use it as a testimony. Cause I know a lot of producers that's watching this shit and songwriters, you know, like they might've got a placement or they might've been close to getting a placement and feel like, damn, like certain niggas hating on them, certain niggas is sneak hating and doing all this other shit and they might want to give up. But like, I'm a prime example to like, nigga, you could really go from being like at the lowest point to be like running the music business right now, you know?
1: That's hard. Okay, so that's the last icebreaker. Mm-hmm. What is one article of clothing that if someone had on that would make you walk out on a date with them?
0: I ain't gonna lie, man. It really be the wigs for me. You know what Ooh. I'm saying? Like, like if you got like a, a bad junk, like you know what I'm saying? Like I don't I don't love that. Like, you know, i I, I like I, I like extensions and I do like a good wig, but we all know like the the, 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 the Yeah, yeah.
3: You don't wanna see no lace. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: That shit, you know, I ain't gonna elaborate on that. They gonna try and fry me for that, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like that's just what it is. I should
2: be having the glue on their forehead and shit.
0: But see, I said it, and everybody in the room related to it, women included. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all. But and I don't feel bad saying it because I done been around like some fly chicks that are clown like chicks like yo that she you, you want to talk to her like her look at her lace and I'm like damn I might have been drunk I overlooked that my bad. Damn, that's crazy.
3: <laughs> so you got nine billion streams,
0: mm, over nah, 11 billion. billion. Eleven, 11? yeah. So like, how long have you been doing music, like as a whole, to get there? So I think that that probably the streams and and all that shit to start. Well, shit. When I first came out, was no streaming. Like y'all got like damn. See, I'm old as hell now. Like I I just turned thirty five. So motherfucking. I, my first song and my first like shit like that was really cracking, it was 15 years ago. So, like, dance, like Sexy Lady when I came out as Young Bird, the rapper, The Business, Sexy Can I With Ray J, that was shit, motherfucking 15 years ago, 2007, 2008. So, streams wasn't even counting then. Like, it was like I would have more streams, you know what I'm saying? But it's fuck. It was, this was the ringtone era. Y'all remember ring backs, like when you call a nigga phone and it was a song playing instead of the phone ringing and all that shit. Like, that's how, like, Sexy Kenna, I think it's like six million sold physically because these were like the single days we had to go buy a single, but I think we sold like five million ringtones, four million ringbacks. So that's why that record, it ain't certified diamond yet. You know what I'm saying? But like if you were able to amass all that shit, man, me and Ray J got a song that sold over 10 million. That was crazy as hell even to do that. I hated that song.
1: So let's talk about your journey from the beginning. Yeah. Like what was life like growing up in Chicago? What part of Chicago are you from?
0: I'm from the south side of Chicago. Um, so my story is real different from everybody else's. You like I like I really need a movie about my life. We working on that shit for real, but um I was a kid that that, that grew up very privileged. You know, my parents had worked really hard and they had done they, they big one to be multi So I never really went through no hardship or none of that shit like that. Like literally like my next door neighbor was um, Shauna from Disturbing the Peace. Like her her um, father's buddy guy, one of the biggest blues legends of all time or whatever. So like, she was super rich. Them folk was like swimming in money. And like, that was like my first recollections of music and seeing her rap and being at the crib with her and being around her um, brother who was a producer and shit. Like that's how I really caught the bug for music. And that was like the start of the shit. You know what I'm saying? And from there, this back in the day, man, when you was a rapper, you really had to live your rap. So, like, I wanted to just be a bad kid. Like, I could have been that nigga that just had, like, a fucking learner's permit with a Range Rover or some shit like that. But I wanted to go in the hood and sell crack and, like, just be, like, a fucking wild boy. And, um, yeah, I was. that was me, like, as a young kid. Like, just wilding out with a bunch of street niggas and just creating and honing my craft with the helps of um Kanye West, No ID, and um, my mentor for life books, you know?
3: So you you didn't really have to go through the situation of like worrying about financials and shit while working on the music. It was just nah. being creative.
0: Nigga, I ain't never had a sandwich before in my life. I ain't never had a hot dog in my life. I ain't never had nothing in between two pieces of bread. Like I was like a kid in the studio with like a thermos with like chicken noodle soup inside that <laughs> shit. And just like on some other shit. Like I ain't never had a lunchable before in my life, nigga. i have never had a <laughs> peanut butter and jelly, grilled cheese. I don't know about none of that. And y'all
2: niggas don't be like, like, I'm at the point where it's like, bro, I don't give a fuck if I, like, starve. I'm not eating some ramen noodles, man. <laughs> I ain't, see? <laughs> I swear to God. I mean, it would be like, bro. So you never had ramen noodles either? Uh, maybe once. Damn. Damn. I eat ramen noodles, eh?
1: <laughs> <though.
2: laughs> Why no? you asking? I don't eat sandwiches I go crazy like
1: him
0: either,
2: but like, but ramen noodles is
0: slap though. I'm not
1: gonna like, Nigga, I've man. never
0: been a Subway. I'm, the only fast food I have really ate in my whole life is probably, like, some fucking... Nuggets and fries from McDonald's and some Popeyes. Other than that, I ain't, I ain't really good dose. I, I mean, I eat some nuggets from Chick-fil-A now, like if I'm thugging and I'm in an airport, but you know what I'm saying? I'm more like a, a sushi type nigga, man. For real, <laughs> for real. Niggas, <laughs> <laughs> you trying to go to Chick-fil-A, back, she all they get some sushi. <laughs>
3: this
0: shit uh, crazy. For real. You know
3: what so You're in a different timing.
0: Yeah, man, different timing. And like we was talking about earlier, I got my first deal at um 14. I moved from Chicago. They moved to um New York with DMX. So like I was around all the the greats in the moments, like but uh, when Murder Inc. was at their heyday and DMX and Rockefeller and like all these niggas used to be in a Def Jam building on um Eighth Avenue and like New York and we used to go in there and like smoke weed like I usually literally used to just go to Def Jam nigga to get drunk and get high or whatever and just write music or whatever and like these niggas would be playing dice over there and niggas the weed man would come to the office and sell us the weed like it was a really crazy vibe back then for real so
1: do you play any instruments
0: nah see earlier in my career like I was groomed by like some of the top Producers, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, Bugs, No ID, Kanye, and all these yeah, different you people. Legendary mentors. Yeah. So from there, it was kind. of, I ain't had to make beats. And then when I became Youngberg, because my name was Iceberg, man. And then um, from there, Eve, who was also very influential in my career, she named me Youngberg. And like Shauna was my, I was Shauna's hype man, and she was very influential in my career. She gave me the title to my first album that I came out with as Youngberg. So fucking um. Man, I was just like, like, and I don't know, it was a reckless nigga. Those were reckless times, man. Like, that that whole vibe was crazy.
1: So how did you transition from Iceberg to Youngberg to Hitmaker?
0: Uh, one day, Eve just called me Youngberg in the studio. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm Youngberg now or whatever. Because this is when everybody was, like, putting Young. It was like, Young Hove and, like, all the other shit. That's when that shit kind of became popular. So she just started calling me Young Youngberg. And then from there, I mean, Iceberg, that kind of died in that era because, um, my parents, like, but my parents hated the idea of music, like my mom for sure. And um, I was signed to DMX. This is how I lost my deal. Um. I was fucking, um, I came back to Chicago to work with Boogs because like I wasn't a producer when I was with DMX. Like I was used to being produced. So like when I got my deal and I went to make records, it wasn't the same for me because I'm used to having a producer that like, no, nah, that hook is fire. No, take that line out, do this, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't really have no guidance. I was just in the water by myself. So I came back to Chicago. I was around a bunch of street niggas and um, I fucking, my parents hated, my mom hated that even more. So. Might have saved my life because a lot of them niggas that I was around, they dead or in jail, you know what I'm saying? So my mom went and, like, got with the state and, like, signed her child rights and all this other shit to some weird-ass program or whatever. And, like, I went to the mall with my mom one day and she was getting, like, a bunch of mysterious phone calls. Like, I'm going to be parked by the Walgreens and this. I'm like, who the fuck are you talking to? And she's like, no, my my new husband or whatever, he's going to meet us up there. I go in the mall. I come out, buy some clothes, thinking I'm about to go back to New York to my crib where I was living. And two big Samoan niggas greeted me by my mom's car. It was like, "Yeah, we hear you do music." Da-da-da. I'm like, "Yeah, you know, Iceberg." Da-da-da. My mom was like, "Chris, you gotta go to school," and start crying. Just got in her BMW and popped the trunk, and they had like bags and all type of shit or whatever. Now I'm fighting with the niggas in the parking lot. They end up putting the plastic cuffs on me and throwing me in a car, in a rental car, and like we drove and like. I'm like, damn, we in downtown Chicago now. Then we end up at O'Hare Airport. And so like we get through the airport. I try and run away from the niggas. I run into a dead end. So at that point I'm just like, fuck it. And I get on the plane. <laughs> And they give me, we fly to Las Vegas and they give me like a, a a letter written by my mom where it basically said like, yo, you a product of this um, camp now, uh, you out of control, we can't fuck with you, blah, blah, blah. And then that same night I ended up in Thompson Falls, Montana, like in the very, very northwest or whatever at this place called Spring Creek Academy that was like a fucking wild place. Like if y'all go Google that shit now, or whatever, like it was shut down. They was like molesting kids and violating niggas, or whatever. And it was like a wild like little thing. And fucking um, that's how I lost my record deal. So,
3: hold on, we gotta go back we gotta no, go back First
2: off first, <laughs> off, first off, first off, bro, I need you to like speed it up with the movie. Uh-huh. You know what you described? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so You gotta <guys laughs> make the movie, though, sure. And you gotta make sure you get every this, like you with the dead end and all that. You know Second off, like, What the fuck, nigga? Like
0: That shit was crazy, bro. Like, you get there, and it's, like, a really a shell shock because your parents is paying. So, like, my advance was, like, 50 grand. So I think my parents was spending my advance for me to be there. So it was 5 grand a month for you to go there. Then you get there. They, like, break you down to the minimum. You can't like, salt, pepper, sugar, nothing. Like, you can't look at girls. You can't do nothing. Then you get there, and it's, like, might be a nigga that might have been in the program, but he might be 13, and you might be... 16, like I was or something like that. And he cussing you out, fuck you, uh, 100 pushups, 100 laps, blah, blah, blah. So if you fuck up with them people, they give you all these different violations. So like the, the mild thing is like, oh, you go to this place called Worksheet. So you act out, you they send you the Worksheets and you basically just sit on a um, wooden box and stare at the wall and you gotta sit there for six hours. If you turn your head or do anything or whatever, blah, 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 they add another six hours to it. You fuck up there. They say you see this shit called The Hobbit and it's actually like, they, you don't come out of it. They just put you in there. And it's like literally like a a, a wooden board with like a piece of carpet on top of it. You and you just sit in like a fucking cell all day. Old I'm old like 15, that's something like not like, that's bro, not like I would
2: talk that to a, a kid. To a kid. That day, a <laughs> and he, he was talking about like teachers, they don't really be saying shit. And I'd be like, bro, I went to school in Louisiana for six months and we used to get paddled in elementary school, bro. Like, out. Yeah, like they used to paddle us in elementary school, bro. Like no cow. Like.
0: Nigga, so I'm in that shit. So in the Hobbit, you don't come out. So like I said, they feed you three meals a day. Like for breakfast, they give you like a bagel and some water. For lunch, it's just a piece of bread oh, with fuck some fuck cheese you, in it. Bro. And then for dinner, they give you a lima bean burrito. You know what oh, I'm saying? Right. A lima Lime bean, bean burrito. burrito. And like if you fuck up there and while out there, which I did, they send you to this they send you to Jamaica where there's no child safety laws. <laughs> So like, oh, they really no. beat, they beat your ass down there, whatever. Yeah, and you got to walk on a, you had to walk, uh it, like it was just, it was a little spot that was like a mile, like a little lap. And you got to do a mile lap with a hundred pound brick on your back a hundred times just to get back to, to Montana, where I, where I was initially. And they cut you off from the world. Like no TV, no radio, no nothing. I didn't know 9-11 happened. I didn't know none of this shit happened. Like I just was just out of this shit, for real, for real. How
1: long was you there?
0: Damn, I mean, like 10 months.
1: Oh, no! Wait, wait,
0: wait.
2: So, so, so you like graduated or you just...
0: Got- nah, my dad came and got me. You know what I'm saying? My mom had really set it up because my parents were divorced, but my mom was very adamant, like didn't want me to be around these street niggas. And my dad, like I was just such a fucking delinquent that I kind of like didn't give him no... No, no legs to stand on cause I was just wilding out. So my mom kept coming to him like, yo, we need to do this. And then I'm not following his rules. I'm never coming home. I'm living at the house with him. So he was just like, I'll just let her go ahead and do it. And after 10 months, he just came and got me like a fucking miracle, bro. And that's how I ended up leaving and shit. The first thing I did was go to Target and, um, I ended up buying the Blueprint and uh, Nas album. I think it was like uh, Nostradamus or whatever. And that was like my first re-entry back into music because I never heard anything or nothing. Like I said, I didn't even know the Twin Towers film.
3: Ask what you was about that. Look, this is this what I'm asking. Because it's like, when you was talking about being a Def Jam, you're like, man, I go out there to drink and get high and shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like... I, I got to still remember, like, you was like 16, 15, right? 15 14, 14. Uh-huh. so you was a grown-ass man at 15, you was like, you telling your parents, like, I'm not coming home, like,
0: you was driving and everything. Yeah, I'm not driving, now, nah, like, but um, I was all the way out here, like, I, I had my own crib in Jersey, so when I got my deal with DMX, like, I got a crib in Edgewater, New Jersey or whatever, and they put me out there because they wanted me to work out there, and, like, once I came back with the contract from DMX, like, It was real, so I showed it to my dad. I think my my budget was half a million dollars and they gave me a $50,000 advance. So he was like, man, shit, I guess it makes sense, all the bullshit you've been doing. And I just moved to the... to. To Jersey, and I was living out there, and I would just catch like the ferry back to the city and back and forth. But it was say, just how me you just by getting myself. Getting around,
1: Tyreek. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nah, for real, I, I was like Tariq from Yo. I ain't gonna lie, I was Tariq from Power. Like you would just see me pop up, you know what I'm saying, different <laughs> places, <laughs> Port But like I would go from Jersey to the Port Authority, and then walk from Port Authority to the Def Jam Building.
3: So I was gonna ask you this about like the relationships you had, all these mentors. You were fifteen. Was it you going to the streets is that put you in that circle that took you to get that record label and shit?
0: Yeah, I was around a bunch of street niggas that had the bag that was doing, you know what I'm saying, a bunch of street shit. So, Boogs and myself were under these guys or whatever pause and then fucking, um, they ended up <laughs> taking us around and taking us to meet labels and taking us, once I compiled a demo together, like the crazy thing is my demo, like I'll never forget, well, Jesus Walks, the beat to Jesus Walks was on my demo and then fucking, um, uh, a bunch of th- different Kanye joints was on my demo or whatever. So it was it was, it was was a lit demo. It was one of them.
2: So kind of like talk about kids now who necessarily, like their parents don't really like support them doing music. Now I know like their situation ain't as crazy what you just explained, but like how can they work around that, you feel me?
0: I think it's more accessible now, like for the dream to really be a reality. You gotta think at that point when I got my deal, my, Kanye didn't even have a record deal as a rapper yet. So it wasn't no like real like stamps from Chicago. Like you know what I'm saying? It was actually possible. I think it was Shauna, Crucial Conflict, Twista, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't nobody that was really going crazy. So. To my parents, is more like a pipe dream type shit. But now in this era right now, you could actually prove hard facts. Like, no, like them niggas, Chief Keith was really recording a video in their living room, nigga, and now he Chief Keith You know what I'm saying? It wasn't no type of reference point for you to even go back and tell your parents that like, yo, this possible and nothing like that. It didn't even seem like a realistic dream. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. For, for the kids now, I mean, shit it ain't really that hard. All you gotta do is go get you a PC and get you and sit in front of that bitch like a fucking, you playing a video game and make some beats.
3: Yes sir. Talk like,
2: about like Iceberg, talk about like your transition as an artist, like what's going on during this time period?
0: So yeah, when I was um working with DMX, like I told you, we, we had compiled a bunch of music. I think the one thing that came out, I was on a fucking um soundtrack to a movie he did called Exit Wounds with Steven Seagal. I was on a record with him and uh, me and DMX had a song on there. And then um, I lost my deal. So I lose my deal. I get out and I don't know what to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm just vibing, listening to Jay-Z, listening to all the music and shit. And then my dad really knew that I was passionate about the music. So he started funding my career, like putting me in a studio so I can go make demos and shit. And my demo ended up getting to Troy Carter, who's who's Eve's manager at the time, him and Jay Irvin had a record company called Irvin Wonder. They became my managers, and then shit, I started that journey, and that's how I became Youngberg. I actually moved to Los Angeles when Eve had her TV show on UPN. We were all living in um LA, and like I would literally like stay out there and like be writing songs, and that was my first like taste of being a songwriter. Uh, my first placement as a songwriter. Is on Eve's album Evolution. I wrote the hook to the title track of the song, and even if y'all go Google it and go listen to it now on YouTube, I'm actually like my vocals is on the song and all that other shit. So that was my first time ever getting a writing placement, and then from there, I went on to write hella different shit from fucking um soundtracks to what barbershop shit that Eve was on or whatever, and then. I just started just getting in my bag and just staying in my creative glow. You know what I'm saying? But that was my first time like, oh, okay, I'm a songwriter too. I didn't even know what that was. I thought I was just an artist and they were like, nah, go write a hook or write this. Or Eve had signed an artist to Interscope at the time. Her name was Morgan Smith. Y'all can go YouTube, Morgan Smith, blow your whistle. I'm on a hook to the song and all these niggas in the video, the video was Superstar stuff. That shit was on 106 and Park and all that shit. I wrote her entire album. But um, they ended up parting ways or whatever, and they ended up um not working together, and the album never came out.
1: Oh, damn. So how did you go from Youngberg to Hitmaker?
0: So I had a bunch of success, and I had a whole bunch of things going on. But then, like, I went through some crazy things in my career that really didn't have nothing to do with me. But I was just a fall guy into the shit. And um, I, niggas just stopped fucking with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, just they just stopped fucking with Youngberg as a whole. Like, it wasn't cool to be around me. And it was just like, damn, like... I wrote all these different songs. Even on my album, I had all these niggas on my album, whether it was Trey, whether it was Lloyd, whether it's all these A Marie, I wrote all the hooks. Like even the business. Like when we did that song, the business, that shit like a cult classic to motherfuckers now, but like I did that shit, nigga. We was on we was on ecstasy, I ain't gonna lie. And um I went in and I did the whole song in one take. Like if y'all go listen to the business or whatever, like there's no doubles or stacks on a song at all it's not even really like it's just me doing one track to leave and the ad lib track that i added after and i actually sang cash apart the whole thing through when we did it and i just sent her back in the booth she only got one t- um track on that shit too we was all on ecstasy just biling out and shit so i moved to um miami and um I, I just kept writing songs and kept doing things shout out to dj infamous he was one of the first guys to like I said a hit maker on anything. He had a song with um, Juicy J, Ludacris, and Young Jeezy called Double Cup. And I'm actually on the hook to the song. It's a video for that shit in the well, whatever. And um, that was like the beginning of like that shit. And um, Tamar Braxton ended up, I ended up writing a bunch of songs with Tamar and that, that led me back to LA. And then from there, I wouldn't even consciously like, now that I've looked back at it, like it's very like, you gotta be real like, arrogant or ballsy type nigga like I didn't have no hits and I just went in the studio and just said hitmaker, you know what I'm saying like and changed my name to that or whatever but like I didn't like try to do it I just said it in at the beginning of the song and I was like fuck it I'm gonna just keep going with that and that's how that shit went for real
1: no but I mean like you have to be like really confident because like low-key like I don't like to say it but like technically like you low-key got blackballed yeah for and sure you, you literally like yourself back, like rebranded
0: yourself. Yeah, hell yeah, that shit. Like I noticed that um, people just didn't want the product from me. So like that's why I'm like, yo, I'm gonna go behind the scenes and do what I was already was doing. I produced all my um, hits that I came out with. I'm from sexy can I'm co-producer on that, the business, sexy lady, all my hits. So I was just doing it naturally, and then from there, I'm like, yo, I'm just gonna get my writer and producer back, and shit. That was really like the beginning of everything, whether um, from that. And then I, I, I went on to sign a bunch of producers as Youngberg as well. Like I ended up signing A.O. the producer who um I did a job by Rick Ross and Wayne with or whatever A.O. was signed to me. I went to, I didn't really discover keys I would say, but like I was like one of the first niggas that was putting out they information or email on Twitter, like, yo, send me beats and this, that, and a third or whatever, and that's how I met all these different producers, and I ended up putting them under me as well.
1: That's hard.
2: So talk about, like, the groundwork, because, like, you really have to do everything. Not everything, because you still have, like, old relationships, but you got to do, like, everything over again. And I was watching your Breakfast Club interview where you was talking about, like, all the bullshit that led up to that situation and you switching. So, like, what's that like? Like, just give me the first six months. Now I'm Hitmaker. What am I doing?
0: Um, damn. So I had to find a muse, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause you gotta think like for R&B records, like back in the days, like I would do every demo, like whether uh, fucking, uh, what's so crazy, um, free thug, free gunner, free all the sell homies. But um, Yo Gotti had a song called Rihanna That Young Thug did it. And I remember um, I co produced the record and I wrote the hook. And like Young Thug had to recut. He he said every word that I said in the demo and all that type of shit or whatever. Like that was a crazy moment for me. So, like, Ultimately, I had to find a muse, somebody to sing the R&B songs that I was writing. And I ended up just meeting different people. Um, Goldie, who I still work with right now, and just being with at Mike Cameron studio, APG in L.A., you know, and just meeting all these different people. And I just really just started working. Ten songs a day, ten ideas a day. Go to the studio, get high, get lit. Ten songs a day, ten songs a day. And I just amassed a catalog and started getting, like, few placements here, a few placements there. And then, like like we was talking about, um, The Big Sean Bounce Back. I was really, be- actually, I, before that, um, Jason Derulo uh, had all of us, like, at one point. Like, I was going to sign a Jason Derulo. This is how I met Smash David. Smash David is signed a Jason Derulo. A lot of people don't know. Like, I, I met Smash David through that. Yeah. Him. Uh, you all ever heard of a group called They? It's a guy. The lead singer, Drew Love, or whatever, he was going to sign a Jason Derulo. So, we all met because Jason Derulo was trying to be a nigga. Like, he ain't not want to be pop no more. He wanted to get in some cool shit and do, like, an R&B project. So we all just started working on that. And that's how I met Smash. And then that's how Bounce Back happened. And then Jeremiah was, like, super influential. He um literally just took me under his wing and all that other different stuff. But um, that's how I met Smash. So I met all these different niggas. And then I got my pub deal with Mike Karen. And I was just able to have a facility to work out of, I'd work out of the studio, and do all these different things. And um, from there, I had a bunch of little different placements. And I went to the studio one day, and I um, I got a beat from Poppin' Oak, and um, I went in and I wrote a hook and did a hook, and I um, had the engineer name it Nikki and Hitmaker, and. Um, Shit, I'm like, man, I'm going to meet Nicki Minaj, bro. Like, I'm going to work with Nicki Minaj, I swear, bro. Like, it's going to go down. And one day, randomly, I ended up pulling up on Sounds, who's another producer friend of mine. Shout out to Sounds. And he was working with Esther Dean, and they was just doing some random. And I, my boy was like, hey, yo, Nicki Minaj in the A room over there or whatever. I'm like, yo, go tell her I got some shit for her. And then my boy came back like, yeah, she going to see you in like 15 minutes. And then, shit, uh, security came and got me. And shit, I went in there, and the movie began right there. Like, I was kind of like... A yeah, real kick off too. That. Yeah,
2: yeah, just, yeah. You see. go ahead, just make the movie, bro. Like, nah, man. for real. That's
0: no, what you I'm gotta saying. make
1: the movie. That's hard as fuck.
2: So going back to like songwriting, uh-huh. how is okay? So when you're writing a song, like, what was your end goal to writing that song? First off, like,
0: I ain't gonna lie. Like, I I wish it was like a super like. Well, it is kind of a formula, that, but I ain't going to tell niggas. But the real deal is like, man, I'm really just going and doing what what I like. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So and it's just a blessing that what I like is turning into what the world is end up fucking with, too. You know, it ain't like nothing like, yo, like, I got to be with this or this. Because, like, I'm telling y'all the evolution of it. Because now, like, I don't do no demos at all now. But I'll be the nigga that's in the studio like... Get niggas the whole vibe or whatever they go in there. I'll coach them through the whole process. Go bar line for line and uh, hit the shit write The whole entire thing. Had a beat from the co-producer. Go there, find the artist I want to go give it to. Get the artist on the record. Get the feature on the record. Come back, rearrange the whole record, mix the record. You know what I'm saying? It's mad niggas that that got placements with me that they ain't even left their house yet. That's just sitting in a, you know what I'm saying in front of the computer just making beats. So like being a producer to me is seeing something from start to finish, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? It don't matter about who made the beat or who did the program and who did anything or whatever. I think this shit is a whole collaboration process. It only really get weird when like you blow up, you know what I'm saying? So now like a nigga lit, so like motherfucker be like, well damn, you know what I'm saying? And I'm a flashy nigga. If I wasn't a flashy nigga and I was just like, Somewhere dressed like Craig Kalman or just in the same outfit every day, nigga, with no jewelry, no nothing. Niggas wouldn't really, you know what I'm saying, feel no type of way about it or come up with their own little things or how they want to portray me or perceive certain shit or whatever because I'm just a star. Like, you know what I'm saying? I can't help it. I'm a star. I'm just a star producer now, nigga. I'm a star executive now. And I'm going to put all these niggas on for real, for real. So so when you get to success, like there's no
3: way to avoid negativity. Niggas just gonna hate. So, no, no,
0: niggas just gonna hate, you know what I'm saying? Like, the thing is, like, I'm so successful. I probably done sold like 110 million records. I got 11 billion streams. And like, people be like, oh, well, he don't make beats. Like, he not produce, well, that's cap though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't do the programming, but the, I will break down how like some of my hits will come. Like, sometimes, like I said, we'll bounce back fucking uh, the nigga sent me a beat pack. Sometimes it happens like that where a nigga send me a beat pack, won't be there. I'll go, I'll write the whole entire song. I'll rearrange the beat, I'll go present it, get it to the artist, this and a third. A lot of times when the things that's happening now where it's like considered like my sound or my uh, a hit maker type record is because like I consciously was like yo bro I'm gonna go flip all the songs that I loved on 106 and Park and I'm gonna be the puff daddy of this generation right now so everything that I grew up on that was on 106 I'm like I'm gonna go flip that shit so I ended up meeting a guy named Paul Cabin through AO because we did something new together and he actually played yeah Paul is my guy man that's my brother and shit Paul uh I, if anything I want to flip bro like anytime you ever hear me with a, like a, a, a flip or any type of shit I literally just be like hey yo Paul check your text I want to do this shit let's do it like this let's keep it OG do the music or whatever blah 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 he'll do the music send it back to me I'll be like alright bet I want to use cardiac for this shit I'll get cardiac I'll hit cardiac and be like yo how you want to do this, whatever, what you hear. He be like, yo, you want to keep it original? Just like the the OG version? Or you want to add new drums on this? You want to do that? We had come up with ideas. He'll send me little videos or whatever, him programming the beats or whatever. I'll approve it. Like, nah, I like this. Nah, take the snare out. Nah, let's do a pre-hook here. Let's blah, 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 blah. Come from that. I'll have the beat now. Then I'll get with Krishan, Ivory Scott, Ace Red, et cetera, um, and write the record. And then shit, that's how I produce the record. And I'll go mix it. I'll put the artist on it, mix it, add the feature, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, what's it? and then like another one, like, uh, like like Young Blue record with with Chris and, um, Two Chains, Baddest. Um, that was like a real record for me because I left Atlantic. Like, I really bet on myself by leaving Atlantic. Like, Atlantic, it gave me a label deal. They gave me a bunch of different shit. Like I might be one of the only niggas, like don't nobody in the game, like everybody following the formula of what I kind of created and what my people put me in where it's like, I'm executive, I have a song deal, I have a label deal, all my artists got deals. And like, I might be one of the only niggas like in the game with song deals. I got a song deal with every company in the business, you know what I'm saying? To where shit like, I think my song deal with Atlantic, like 40,000 now. You know what I'm saying? So niggas will believe so much in you that they'll be like, shit, we want 20 records from you and we're going to pay you 40 grand from it. And then from there, I'll get the business. The way it break down is I'll get half, you know what I'm saying? 20. Cause I break bread. Whenever I co-produce a record, we either just split it even. You know what I'm saying? On the finances. I don't really give a fuck about that. I'll get half and then as the records go as i place a record it could be a nigga from the middle of arkansas that just sent me something or a youtube beat it wouldn't really even matter if i went in on it then they'll be listed inside atlantic records in the warner system as getting paid 20 grand so i'm really boosting everybody fee up at the same time while we do this shit so like baddest like i really i left atlantic and fucking um i went to empire and like, you know, a lot of my peers and like a lot of people that I was fucking with, like creatives, I think they would kind of doubt me. Like, damn, you know what I'm saying? Like, nigga, Bird just left Atlantic. Cause Atlantic, they did do a lot for me, you know? Like, shit, they put me in the studio. They bought me, or they, I had my own studio, which I still have my own studio now, but they gave me my own studio, paid my staff, paid the whole shit. I never had an office inside the building as a vice president at a and I'm like, yo, I don't want no office niggas put me in the studio and send all the artists to. So fucking from there, I think, we did that record baddest in San Francisco at guys and them establishment up there, and um no lie, T Romano was just in a other room in a B room, and I was just like, yo, play me a bunch of beats, T. Let me go in on some shit. He ended up playing me that beat. Him and Parker had already collaborated on it. Went took it from there. Blue was there while we was doing it. Took it from out of there. I got in with Ivory in the A-room. I'm like, bro, let's cook this one up. Blue was in there with us while we did it. The nigga Ivory just went in the booth and was like, "Says, yeah. she uh, n- Talk about Ivory. <laughs> was cool, man. We, we was just in a session with Ivory, bro. Man. I just
2: see how
0: this nigga just- <laughs> Bro, he different. Lay
2: songs down, bro. It's yeah, like- What? It ain't even a good word. It's it's what? like something else than an alien. Anything like, extraterrestrial.
0: Bro. Something different. The nigga went in and she was like, sexy motherfucker, dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah. No, I was like, whoa. Like that is the first line. then from there, he did the the little melody. Me and Blue was there. And we had like the first half of the hook. And then Blue was like, "Uh, we need something that's gonna make the we have country ass. We need something that's gonna let the whole Philly." So I'm like, bro, he's done it. And that's all he was doing, saying shit like that. And then shit, we flushed the idea. And I'm like, yo, I'm gonna get Chris Brown on this shit. He ain't no Chris Brown or whatever. We had so much success with Chris Brown. And I'm like, yo, Chris gonna get on this motherfucker and this shit gonna be a hit. And he like, man, you think he really do it? I'm like, yeah, went in there, did his verse. We kind of like did it, kicked all the shit together, did the bars, threw the shit all together. And then from there, the process of that was, now we got this song, Ivory had did the original demo but Krishan who my partner with uh make a sound or whatever Krishan and we even did so many records for Chris and they kind of sound similar vocal tone wise so um I was like bro PC Krishan go and recut this hook with Ivory you know what I'm saying and just go do what you would do it cuz I want Chris to get on it and Krishan went and recut what Ivory did on the hook I went from there and just laid on Chris Brown like yo we got to do this shit press play on he ended up doing it, loving the record, and that's how it blew in all of me. That shit about to be platinum now, or whatever, and that shit was, like, big. Like, I literally had to lay it in the crib to get the feature. From there, I reached out to Chains, because Chains is, like, a frequent collaborator. Like, yo, bro, I need you on this shit. And at first, like, the hook was, like, even, like, if you listen to the record, like, I was like, she got new ass and new titties. Now she's 10 now. She got new ass and new titties. She a 10 now, sexy motherfucker. And then go to 2 chains verse. The hook really long as a motherfucker, like, on the first hook. So, Gazi was, like, pressing me, like, bro, you really, like, you have to figure this record out, bro. Like, it, the hook can't be that long on the second hook. He, like, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to do something and make the shit work. And I was like, oh, "All right, fuck it." And I went to TZO, who mixed the record. Shout out to Pat. And um, I'm like, "Bro, we gotta do something different. Like, it can't be the hook. This hook is long as fuck." And I was just like, "Yo, take that part. She got new ass." And the titties. and that, blah, blah blah. Did that shit in the final mix or whatever. Made that shit, and that's how the song came out.
2: Broad, Niggas girl. don't even know. Like, it's so much that goes that go behind this, the record. Like, a you good know what record. Yeah. It just ain't about to beat mm-hmm. and the thing. What I real what what I had to realize, cause like. I was that nigga when I was like 15, like, what does DJ Khaled really do? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And it's like, bro, you might have a musician that's fire as hell, but he don't really know. It's, some, it's, something, else, it's something he missing to you make that record. Vision. Or you have a producer that just play beats, you mm-hmm. feel me? So it's like, just to be the producer behind the scenes and really just put a record together, like.
0: But you know what, The it's kind of the, the shit lost though. Like Quincy Jones don't program nothing. It's mm, facts. That's a good true. one, yeah. Nah. Okay. Christy Jones don't program shit. <laughs> That's big fat though, you feel me? Yeah, so like niggas, are be, niggas so caught up into the... It's really just a dick holding contest because everybody want clout <laughs> and all that other yeah. shit now. And I ain't gonna lie, like I think a lot of niggas really in the past, finesse niggas and and didn't tell them. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm the nigga that go on Breakfast Club, be like, I don't make beats, nigga. Like I don't, want, I only sit in front of the computer, but I'm the producer of this yeah, record. Thing, you know though, what, what I'm saying?
2: It be niggas that, that fuck, like they really get up there and be like, Y'all I the beat this, and Yeah, I made it. Fuck the co-producer, yeah. Yeah. You know ain't you ain't
3: right. hey, hard to beat. That. You really feel that. me, like. You know what I'm saying? Just chilling. We out. say your name on, no names on
0: here, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, I, I wish I, I I got a new story with a name I really want to say, but I'm not. I'm gonna keep it pof- political. But like like a fucking um, what's a what's a random record that we could talk about? Uh, like a boogie. Look back at it, right? I'm vice president A and R at Atlantic Records, and um, fucking a boogie has this record with this fucking Michael Jackson interpolation. It took them like damn near a year to get that, that shit clear that oh shit. It almost was a year. Now, mind you. A Boogie such a creative that the song was like six minutes long. Like, niggas knew this shit was heat, but it was six minutes long or whatever, so they playing in an A&R meeting. I'm like, uh, man, y'all need, I need to work with A Boogie, like, for real, for real. They like, he don't work with writers. He don't really do this shit. He do everything. And so I'm like, bro, I don't give a fuck. Nigga, like, yo, believe us, bro. Like, like, you all know what he do. You try try doing, it. Like, he on gonna on, say though. that to you, but if we get around each other, you don't know what gonna kick off. So from there, we ended up going to Hawaii. A Boogie was finishing his that album. We went to Hawaii. We worked in the same studio that Kanye did, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy in. Oh, and we was in Hawaii working. And I ended up hitting it off with Boogie. And, like, we ended up going crazy. We did Star Tender. We did um fucking uh, the Come Closer with Queen Niger on that shit. All these records is platinum that from that album that we worked on. We worked on, like, four or five of them, and then they still had Look Back at It. Now, mind you, they had sent Look Back at It, Boy Wonder and Jahan Sweet did the music because there's no drums on this record. They sent this shit to everybody, Mustard, this person, that person, to get some drums on it because these niggas in the a room, like, Man, like, ain't no really no hit out for a rapper with no drums on it. Like, why would we do this? Da da da. We love the, the melody song. Was sick, yeah. though, yeah. And I'm like, man, fuck them drums. Like, it man, didn't I'm need like, no yo, drums. yeah. I'm it like, I'm it. like, bro, give me the, give me the files, bro. So once <laughs> I end up hitting it off with Boogie and Motherfucking Hawaii. We had the song still, and I'll never forget, we, we worked in the a, in a studio that night and we was already vibing. At that point, Boogie gave me, you know how niggas be having a board with all their uh, songs on the it. The white board. That nigga gave me the white board and was like, nigga, tell me what you think don't need to be on this album, do need to be on That's this shit, you know, this, you, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, yeah like, he was locked in, you know what I'm saying? And then from there, we went back to the hotel with the little resort that we was staying at or whatever, myself. My engineer at the time, his name is was, was um his name is Miyagi and fucking Krishan, we went we sat there and like I kinda like took a six minute song and made it a three minute song. And Chris Sean was like, uh, he helped me with that process as well. And then I'm like, bro, we don't need no drums. We just need to put a snap on this shit. Chris Sean went and got a snap off his computer, literally, and gave it to my engineer. And we just added the snap to that shit. And then once I had that relationship to go back and play it for him, the new version of the song, niggas flipped out. I sent the song to Jason Joshua, we mixed that shit. And I asked Jason, I'm like, we don't need no drums in this shit, right? He's like, nah, this shit's out of here. It's a hit, bro. And we mixed it, that shit like six times flat on that.
1: That Man. shit was hard. It's hard. It definitely didn't need the drums, like, and that's why you need people with a good ear. You know,
0: mm. I heard so many versions of that shit with drums on it, and it, it just didn't. wasn't it. It wasn't gonna I mean?
2: go. So
1: talk about like your sound, cause like
2: it's crazy, cause you're not even touching FL Studio, mm-hmm. but bro, you have a sound. I forget what song I was just listening to. It's uh, Blast is on the feature, and it's a uh, like, bad this, idea. Bad idea. I'm listening to it, and I could tell. Like, I don't know. Like, you tell your producers to do this, but it's this kick bounce you will be doing. The, uh.
0: So yeah, you feel me? And I'm like, it, <laughs> get back on this shit, bro. Nah, it started with uh, Meek Mill Dangerous. So, mm-hmm. like, that was a crazy record that we we ended up doing. So, it's like when, right when Meek was, remember, Meek was in jail. So, like, Meek had got out of jail. And um I went, and I was down here, and I was at um Zach's or whatever. They changed the name of the studio now. It used to be called Zach's or whatever. It's over there by where... You know the street where everybody got a studio at where I Stank oh, yeah. only it is and mm-hmm. this then a third Astro, whatever. All that Astro. Is. It's called Astro. Now. Okay, I figured that's what be called talking about. Yeah. 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 So fucking um we was in there and I went and worked with Meek or whatever, and we did a record that was like supposed to be his girl song. Me and Verse Simmons did the the hook to it and Keys co-produced the record. So me, Verse, Keys, we was all in Astro and fucking we ended up doing a song and it was as like, soon as I get home, which turned into being a and Fan Lucci song featuring Trey Songs or whatever. And fucking um Meek didn't keep that song. So we back in LA. And I'm like, damn, we gotta get on this Meek project, Meek, my nigga. A lot of people don't know, like, uh, the first Dream Chasers mixtape ever. Like, that was the beginning of me and Meek working. I ended up sending him the beat to the intro of the first Dream Chasers mixtape, which Ayo, the producer, collaborated with with me as well. I sent that shit to him through Twitter, and that ended up being a shit. So we was locked in, and we was already working, and we had had a bunch of different um, records, like, uh, y'all ever heard the Whatever You Want, Whatever You Need record? Yeah. Whose song was that? Um... um. Was it? it was, was
1: it? Girl Long Oh, it was Meek Song.
0: It was that Meek Song, featuring Ty Dolla Sign and uh Chris Brown. Yeah,
1: it's called whatever you need. Oh, yeah, whatever yeah. you
0: need. It, that was like a, another one that we collaborated on or whatever. And that was a weird one because like this, this how y'all talking about like, and I'm not hating no on Mustard because I was really like working under Mustard at the time and like whatever. So um, when we did that record, like I was working with a producer named young lad. And um, me and Aaron Ray, the same, this is why I correlated. Come back to what we was talking about um, about the bounce. Me and Aaron Ray, the artist that's on that whose song, the bad idea is featuring Blast. We end up writing a hook to that shit or whatever together. Then I went and presented Mustard the beat, and then Mustard took it, and then they fucking uh, they just X'd me out to co-produce and lad nigga because it was a sample. He went there and just added his drums on there and replayed the shit with fifteen hundred and, and they ain't give us no credit. And like, I was a songwriter and a co-producer that was just working under the nigga at the time. And the funny part is actually when I, I didn't, I'm sitting at the ASCAP awards about to receive award. And then they like, Meek Mill wins for whatever you need. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, this is my song, nigga. I'm sitting there, that nigga meet go get a motherfucking ass cap award sitting there right there. I'm like, nigga, this is my song. But they had did the business like that and I wasn't juiced up enough at the time or whatever to really like go ahead and do it. But we got the business right. Shout out to Mike Brinkley at Rock Nation and all the other folk cool, or whatever. So like-
2: Hold on real quick. So mm-hmm. you just say you wasn't juiced up enough to really handle the business. So let's just talk about that. When you're not really having that brand or in that position to really like press a nigga about your business. No, you
0: stole the song. Pretty much. You ain't <laughs> got to say it like cute.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I <really laughs> move though. Because we have now, you know, niggas get on Instagram. And these niggas, so your boy not fucking brought my beat off B-Stars and finesse me or some shit. You feel me? Like, how you move
0: around now I think that you gotta just take your take your licks at that point you know what I'm saying you gotta you gotta eat shit to eat caviar you know what I'm saying like it's gonna be that I ain't nobody that that really been in this business never been through that type of situation so that was one of them ones to where it is that kind of like was like damn you know but I mean, it all it all happened for a reason. It's all part of the journey. And shout out to Mustard. Shout out to Meek fifteen hundred nothing. The whole shit. So that was like the beginning of me and Meek working. And then one day, now I'm hit making. I'm at my studio and I am VP Atlantic, and fucking uh, me and Chris Sean was just in the studio, and Chris Sean was playing with the uh that loop or whatever the guitar loop. From there, he ended up adding. We sitting there. Vibe, that whole vibe is Case, I'm Missing You. That whole drum pattern, like if niggas really put it into perspective, it's really Case, I'm Missing You, the drum loop. So we went in there, did the drum loop. We wrote the entire song, like right then and there. The, the hook, the whole shit, all the, the, the first verse is really, the first verse on the demo is now the bridge that's on the song with Meek. So we did the whole shit. And this nigga, Jeremiah, just pulled up to my studio real random, like, in a car. Y'all ever seen a little car called a Vanderhall or whatever the fuck? And it's like the little small, like, look like a cigarette boat-ass car, nigga. Like, one of them little dumb-ass. It's like <laughs> a little dumb-ass car. You see it, little, nigga, not really a car. Cars? It's like one of them, yeah, a little oh, dumb-ass type shit. Okay. So The one's
1: from
3: Miami.
0: It's, it's, it's some, a, wild big, it some wild shit.
3: Them little small-ass <laughs> cars. It was some
0: wild shit, bro. Some old rich nigga, I'm bored, and I just got this shit type shit. So he pulled up, and I'm like, bro you need to go do this idea. Go re sing this shit me and Chris Sean just did. He like, nah, nigga, I just came over here to really fuck with you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't trying to sing. I'm like, yo, you got me fucked up. Go in there and sing this shit. He went and sang it. Rest in peace my boy P&B Rock. p b Rock came, like, right after that shit, whatever, after Jeremiah left, and then he re-sang it and they had the whole shit or whatever. And so now that we had a whole song and at first it was PNB song. So now it was just like Jeremiah on the hook and PNB doing a verse that we did. And I'm like, nah, fuck that. Y'all niggas finna go back and forth like Styles P and Kiss. This ain't never been done to where R&B song got two niggas going line for line, bar for bar on the shit. So I went in and reworked the record with my engineer Miyagi at the time. And then PNB went, came down here to Atlanta, seen Meek playing the record. Meek actually tried to buy the song from PNB like, bro, like I'll give you like 50,000 for this song. He like, nah, just hell keep nah. me <laughs> on that joint, you know what I'm saying, blah, blah, blah. And that's how I turned it into danger.
2: That's raw,
1: so
2: damn. But going to like the process of songwriting, because mm-hmm. as a producer, mm-hmm. like we talking, we did an interview with Timbaland, he was just talking about like evolving as a producer, you got to keep up with the new sounds and you got to keep up with, you know what I'm saying, software and stuff, but... As a songwriter, like, how did you evolve? Like, what changed from writing a song back in the early 2000s to writing a song now? Like, do you write hooks different now? Like, you know what I'm saying?
0: Nah, not really. It's just, like, to me, to be honest, a lot of niggas, like, sometimes you could catch a vibe just randomly, you know what I'm saying? But when you working at the capacity, we working, it's really just on the beats. The beat dictate where the, 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 the fucking mm-hmm. melody and everything else coming from, unless you just in a shower and come up with a random idea, like if some shit like that and it just hit you like that. But for me, it evolved because like I literally used to when I ain't had no money, I used to just sit at my crib with a beat CD, nigga, and just write songs in my house. You know what I'm saying? To the beat CD. Then from there, go in and just dump songs. You know what I'm saying? Because niggas ain't had no money to pay for no studio time like that. You know what I'm saying? So I had to maximize the most out of it. Like, all right, bet, I got 10 songs written. I'm going to book six hours here. I'm going to do a fuck two songs an hour, and I'm going to have my shit like that. Now it's like it's really whatever. Like we came here yesterday, nigga, and we was here for like 10 hours, nigga. And like, it was so many niggas here. It was like 20 niggas here, the whole fucking Atlanta producer and writer game. But we only did like three songs, you know what I'm saying? But I don't even give a fuck, cause you know what I'm saying? Like the, the it, it's not like you under the gun. Like the pressure was different and the preparation was way different. Like you had to have something before you came to the studio. Now it's like, I just show up with this bitch with nothing in mind and this shit, you know what I'm saying? Cause I got the resources to be in this bitch like that, you know? Let's talk about like the vibe in the studio. What's your starter kit? What you bringing?
1: Five studio signatures.
0: Um, who the session for? Or just, see look. No, it's my, you. Just me personally? You bring the vibe. All right, bad. Weed, liquor, beats, engineer. And lead a dope cracking like God. in. other than that, it, it's gonna. <laughs> go I
1: like that. I like that. That's my
0: red flags
2: with engineers, man. What's
1: something?
0: See, the crazy thing is, I've been so blessed that um, I don't work with random engineers at all. All every engineer that I work with is is like a part of my I team, like and that. they on salary base. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So Nigel, who in there with Tink right now, that's that's my engineer that I found and that's Tink's engineer now. She don't record without the nigga and then my main engineer is Source who um does all my shit and he also Megan Italian engineer as well. That nigga the beast, bro. You still locked in with Miyagi? Miyagi, no. So, like, the crazy thing is is that um I really changed Miyagi's life but, like, certain people go on their different paths and, like, it's hard to um deal with certain shit. Like, I ain't gonna lie, like, niggas seen, we came from the mud to see a nigga. Like, I remember having one skinny chain to, having motherfucking millions of dollars worth of jewelry. So like a lot of people don't make it all the way to the end, Mark, with you. And like I'm not mad at Miyagi going to do his thing, you know, because uh so I'm here and I'm flourishing. But you know, them them be the heartbreaking moments. Like I'm talking about my world was crushed when Miyagi, like we were in Atlanta, we was at Mean Streets working and um like, the digger said something to me or whatever, and I was just like, damn, dog! like, you don't, you ain't locked in with me. Like, you ain't brothers, we ain't family. And That nigga was like, nah, nigga, if it wasn't no bread, like, really attached to this shit, I wouldn't, you know what I'm saying, be around you like that. But I'm thinking a nigga, you. my brother, like, damn, you know, your t- engineer, he holds your hard drives. He hold, like, uh-huh. I, the, yeah. That's like a real trust where I'm thinking this nigga, my dog. I, when we talk about all these sessions with A Boogie in Hawaii and here and there, he was, I was making niggas come with me everywhere. You know what I'm saying? So he was with me me through these whole times. So I thought we had a personal relationship and he, he was just like, nah, this shit strictly business for me. And I was just like, damn, I can't rock like that. Gave me my hard drives. And then that's when we start started working right here in Atlanta at Mean Street Studio.
1: Damn, not at Mean Street. Oh mm. man, <laughs> that's epic. But, um. She, she said epic. <laughs> no, stop. I see the wordplay, but nah. <laughs> um, and you have a vault interview. You said that you are different from these producers because you're the ditty of like, the, of this generation so I want to know that nigga because Jeez, you yeah you I mean talk
2: about that I'm not gonna
1: I'm not gonna ask you what makes you different from other producers because I feel like we kind of touched on that already but what I want to ask you is what makes you feel like you classify as a, as a ditty.
0: um cause even when I'm in a session with an artist it's still my session you know how like certain motherfuckers like as a producer like they come in and the artists come in and they just sitting there with the pack waiting for the artist to dictate what's going on they a hours or whatever like you- blah blah Nigga, you come work with me, you get a hit. I don't make beats, I make hits. So it's like... I'm giving you the song. There's not a a song that y'all ever heard from me that wasn't a motherfucker came in. This is what I want to do. This is what I think is dope. I'm laying all the ideas out, this, that, and the third. It's very rare that we even cook up an idea from scratch and give to an artist. Like, I got to be the executive producer. Y'all, I'm locked in doing your whole shit if we making something from scratch. Nigga, every song you ever heard me ever been involved with was a demo that was in there and the artist came in. It's like, nah, do this. And they do that.
2: Talk about like
0: dealing with artist egos and mm-hmm. stuff.
2: Where it's like, nah, cook up a beat, and it's like, nigga,
0: I don't make beat. Well, damn, th- that's a that's a um. See, and this would come about being like a star producer and just being like being super headstrong and really like running your own sessions and doing this shit. So like, um, my first time working with Polo G, shout out to Polo or whatever, like. This was like early, you know what I'm saying? Like when him getting signed and like he was really, I see him now, he's more like talkative and more outgoing. But you know, like niggas from Chicago, like we ain't really going for that. Like, you know what I'm saying? The attitude be stank from the rip. Like even when I first met Tink, like it was like hard because they never really work with no co-writers or producers and nothing like that. These just people that just got it out the mud themselves. You know what I'm saying? They don't really understand the, the, the actual gift or actually the blessing of working with co writers because like nigga like I did everything myself. What the fuck I need to be in the studio with blah blah blah. So we in a studio and I'm playing polo G doing my normal song and dance or whatever. Like with production from everybody, murder beats this person that person with our hooks already on it. Like bro, like you just go do this do this hook blah blah blah. He like nah, like I don't work like that, gang. I'm like what you mean? He like man, like shit, like I don't do other people's words or whatever. I'm like. He like, play some beats. That's like the worst thing you could say to me if you work with me. I, I, I'm, right. I'm out. So, like, nigga, you, I'm, play some beats. Like, what? Hey, what hey, am God. I playing some beats for? What the fuck? So, he said that I walked out. I'll never forget. We was at my studio in L.A. I took, like, like like four shots of 42. And I was just like, man, I just told it A&R. Like, I'm finna just be me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't, you know what I'm saying? Because I was kind of scaling back to... To be comfortable with the artist. I'm not finna just be me, bro. And I just went in there and just got my bag or whatever and we got on the same accord and we ended up doing like five records after that.
1: What's a uh what's a song you did with Polo?
0: Man, we got like five motherfuckers saying. Oh they, they, they on- <laughs> Okay, all right, I feel it. Yeah, it's on the way. Okay. I'm for
2: sure. about, I, so this off camera right here, you feel me? But goddamn nigga, you can tell me about some shit in LA?
0: hmm
2: And I forget what the fucking artist was. Oh, we can say that on camera. But I forget what the artist was. Capella Gray. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's
0: my boy. Too. Oh my, that's God. my boy. No, I was? love Capella. Bro, like, that's bro, my like, boy. he
2: wanted some beats and some shit. And he was like, nigga I make records." Bro,
0: <laughs> I'm, so I'm saying I ain't lying. So, like, that's what a lot of different he things. A truth. lot of different people. We were actually P and B rock. Rest in peace, my boy. Once again, he hit Capella and told him to come to the studio. This is my first time meeting Capella. Him and Source is really close because they both from New York and they got a relationship. So Capella. You know, he and this Glow, Uh, the, um, what's that song? Uh, Gallus going crazy, crazy. So he in there and like, Chris Sean and that doing a vibe or whatever. And, like, we writing a record and doing all this other shit. And, like, I'm like, bro, go do that hook right now. This shit a hit, bro. you like, man, I don't do hooks like that. For if I, I write my own shit. And I'm, doing, I'm like, oh shit, all right. <laughs> it wasn't, like, no hating shit, you know what I'm saying? Or we was in a bad spot or whatever, but. That shit work out the way it's supposed to work out. And even to this moment, like, Capella hit hit me right now. We still, you know what I'm saying, communicate with her. you like, man, I'm, 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 I'm interested in trying it your way to see how it will work out.
1: What's one of your hidden talents? Or, like, what's something nobody knows about you? S-
0: something that no one knows about me. Like, what, musically or some shit like no, that?
1: No, personally. Like, in general.
0: I'm a chef.
1: Swear. What you, I'm what nice, you make? Everything. Okay, what's your favorite dish to make?
0: Mm. What type of night is it? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's different vibes. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Is it like a super easy salmon type of shit or like or is it in depth like gumbo or greens and, you know what I'm saying? Shit make gumbo? like that? Mm. I know how to make gumbo, That's hell. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: so like, what if your friends coming over for dinner? What you make? What you going to make them?
0: Ain't nobody coming over. You gotta be a, a female to come. You know, I, nah, nah, ain't, nah, ain't nobody coming to my house. Like, boy, this shit, these times so treacherous right now. Bro, nah, this I definitely so feel that. Like, I advise all my producer homies and all this other shit, boy. This shit scary out here, bro. I'm, I'm literally like, you know what I'm saying, like security, gun on me. With why he got his gun, you know what I'm saying. Like this shit different, bro. It's like. I, didn't, I, I don't know that the P&B rock shit just, you know what I'm saying, hit me in a different... Because we were literally in that room right there four days before he died, making... A, I think his last re- recording is something that him and Tink did together and some other little songs we did, but we did it right now.
2: Damn, that's scary. And that leads me to overrated, underrated. So we give you a topic and you say which one it is and why. And the first one is security.
0: Security. Was... What? Who are you? For me? <laughs> like I mean, yeah, like bro, the niggas is stupid, bro. Like this, what you want to know? What the niggas that the, they won't tell you? And this is why I need more honesty and transparency. You want to know when a nigga tell you he ain't got no security and and, and he he got his own gun. You want to know why he say he he don't got no security? Cause he, he, he can't he afford can't. it. Exactly. Yeah. Bro, this shit. Like I'm, I'm spending like a hundred sixty thousand dollars a year on security. But at least you're safe. Like, it ain't like a, a thing to wear. Like, you know what I'm saying? So niggas a cap you down and be like, boy, nigga, I'm one of them. Nigga, I ain't never, niggas ain't never <laughs> finna try me. Yeah. But please believe, like, if these niggas could have somebody shadowing them and walking everywhere around them or whatever, like, they 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 could. But a lot of niggas, like, ain't having it like that to put $150,000 down and just be like, yo, I need security a year.
1: I'm saying, because even Lil Baby got security, y'all heard what he said in that song, you know?
0: You gotta have security. Yeah, you have to. And then, but it, it sometimes it kind of takes the normalcy from you. Like, and I feel niggas with that shit. Like, they can't even go to motherfucking uh, Publix without no security and buy no groceries and nothing like that. Like, it's just take the normalcy out. Because it'd be certain moments, everything be so lights, camera, action, 24-7. And be like, them be the little things to where it's like, damn, like, I could actually go and, like, buy some seafood by myself or some shit like that or get me some motherfucking Fruity Pebbles by myself. But it ain't like it ain't hitting like that. Nigga, nigga, play, play with you. You know what I'm saying? At any any place, bro. So, rather be safe than sorry.
3: It's crazy you say that, cause like a, a artist, or a rapper promotes some crazy shit. Like on the way here, Future on the sign, he was like, "Fuck my shooter, I'ma shoot myself." M-E-S-E-G, like that shit weird. Like.
0: But that's but that's entertainment. Future is a is a hundred a million dollar nigga. So like he's entertaining people and just doing that shit and all that, um, I think that it, he might be speaking about something that might've been a prior life. He yeah, I guarantee you, if you see him- it might you, be an old song. Him, got like, it ain't gotta be an old song. It might've, been, it could be a song that come out tomorrow, nigga, that, but he talking about experience or emotion that he felt, you know what I'm saying? How he was moving back then, but like, niggas ain't doing that shit, bro. Like, it's stupid. Like, if you a millionaire, you ain't got security, you bugging.
3: I feel like a lot of artists that really put that energy out there,
0: yeah, dang. Now nah, they all you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Nah, like bro, that, that why shit you
1: say that? Like,
0: why ah, you say that? Bro, that shit crazy, bro <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer In speaking shit into existence You yeah, know what that's I'm saying? Like Thanks. So if you just Run around here Just talking that shit world, bro. Yeah, like, and doing all this Little dumb ass shit And can't speaking be like, I'm gonna kill myself Yeah, every cause song, th- It me? bleed into you It bleed into you So nigga, like Just like if nigga You go sit and watch saw a horror movie marathon Nigga and go to sleep You might have a dream When you go to sleep You know what, <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's just something That subconsciously Just going Going on, so I'm just a firm believer. Like man, I don't even. Man, I hear no. I don't even speak if it ain't good. Boy, yeah. keep that shit away from me.
1: Yeah, the words are hella powerful. For
0: sure, bro. All
2: right, so overrated, underrated. Since you brought up future, I just thought about this one. But selling your masters, you know, future just sold his masters to. Uh, what it yeah, I? I
0: mean, shit. I think the numbers cap, and nobody There's gonna tell estimates. you the real number.
3: Shit. It was like. Th- but I ain't saying
0: cap like he ain't get that. It could I think it might be more than that. But, I think it's um, way more
1: than that, but they're not gonna say the real number.
0: Yeah, I think, man, bro, when you when you create a catalog and you think about it like a business like like me, like um, um, I'm actually, you know what I'm saying, entertaining certain different things or whatever. But if you look at it like, that hey, I did this, now I'm lit. I'm gonna sell this catalog. And then I'm going to sign a bunch of producers that say a la future signing ATL Jacob or this, that, and third or whatever and blah, blah, blah. Then I'm going to go and I'm lit now so I can sell all this. And then I'm going to start a new catalog. And in three more years, after I put out three more albums and I'm going to have all my co-producers and producers sign on to me and creators sign on to me, sell that catalog, nigga. So if you treat it like that, then you Gucci. I think that shit flyer than uh, signing a pub deal. Cause um you know the pub deals it get wicked you know what I'm saying there's different terms and that shit I think I signed my pub deal with Mike Karen for like twenty five thousand dollars bro that didn't give me millions of dollars now nigga and like I'm this this ten years later I'm still signing Mike Karen not in a bad way like I'm upset about it because I got a joint venture with him too but it's just like man it's a it's a um you could think it would be short time but it could turn out to be a long time lifetime commitment to a motherfucker.
3: So you saying you don't want to be in the deal?
0: No, I do want to. I, 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 no, now I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really mad about your pub deal when you fucked up. You know what I'm saying? And you thinking like, damn, like, why? Why I ain't get this money and this? All this other dumb shit. But when you up, it ain't really like that. It's just really like negotiating because now you at a boss level, the way you looking at this shit. And then, like... Think about how much good business we doing. Like, Ivory Scott is signed Mike Karen London J is signed to Mike and Derek Milano is signed to Mike Karen. I'm signing Mike that. Karen, All these niggas are signed APG. You know what I'm saying? And I done worked with all these niggas and had multiple hits with everybody that's in a mix of that. So, I mean, shit, we all just doing good business with each other. But he, that nigga Mike Karen he definitely got the whole um, rap urban game, I think, yeah. it, it, with them five names. i just say it right now. That's kind of like the whole game for real.
2: I know London was over there with in y'all. His interview about pub deals. He was like, "It's not necessarily a bad pub deal you're getting. It's just like the level you at. You feel me? When you just start off as an artist and they give you like, or a producer they give you twenty thousand. You never mm-hmm. see twenty thousand, so that's a good pub deal. Until you make twenty thousand easy, now it's not a good pub deal. You feel yeah.
0: me? Yeah. I mean, shit. Ain't nobody putting your gun and no gun in your head to sign that shit. So you ain't do it under duress. So like, it's almost like crying about it and bitching about it is like. Some bullshit, go right your way out that shit. You know what I'm saying? Because it was, it was, it was sexy. And that's what, that's the whole game. I was like, just like collaborators. You see how niggas fall out of collaborators and this, that, and the third or whatever, like blah, blah, blah. Like it really be like, we started this shit with a genuine motive. And then now when shit blow up and go to another level, now you like, oh no, this ain't, this ain't working for me. But it's kind of like, ain't nobody tell you to, you know what I'm saying? You had a very choice to do that, but niggas just get into a different vibe, you know?
2: That's facts. I ain't gonna lie. Nigga got preaching. I ain't gonna tell you. That's a little Someone a little might just hit you out there and even be like, hey, bro. I feel like you talking about me, bro. Like, I wouldn't give you no know, fuck, bro. <laughs> everybody know I'm transparent,
0: bro. Like, I, like who y'all getting this interview is who I am inside the office. And whether I'm talking to the CEO of the company or whatever, or I'm talking to a new co-writer that I just met five minutes ago, nigga. Like, I'm unapologetically me. You know what I'm saying? And that's why it's five, because, like, everybody know me. Like, this ain't no, this ain't no, like, this ain't no shit that you going to see. You know what I'm saying? Like, nigga, i going to be like, oh, that, 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 bro.
2: You know what I hate, niggas? Like, I hate niggas that come on and do the interviews and they be like, "Yeah, bro, I split shit 50-50. fifty. I'm fair to my producers." And they be a young nigga <laughs> I got Cap. again, like playing by yo. I hate those type nigga. That baby would have nah. start the interview right now and just be like, "Hey, bro."
0: That shit don't really that don't that don't that don't really be a thing if y'all niggas come together and y'all really see like man, like we all did this together. If me, if all four of us sit here and write the song, write a song right now, nigga. Like what? Even if you just said nah, uh, you might use that second line and make that bitch be the fourth line. And then me and her, she come up with the melody and I do all the words, but he got the beat or he motherfucking say something else and add and collaborate to it. No matter how big or small the situation is, if we all sitting down in a room together, we should be able to bust that bitch down.
1: Yeah, that's why I feel like percentages, like it only really be a problem amongst like the up and coming producers, because once you at a level like this, then you're not really worried about shit like that. Yeah, like, like I'm split that shit, shit. Even yeah. like, yeah. It ain't like
0: it ain't like a nigga. Like when you on a come up, it ain't like a like on a come up. It's like you might be getting fed whatever your lawyer giving to you. You don't even know the splits, but somebody else made the splits, and they asking you, "Is you cool with taking this or without and third or whatever?" But like now, this shit just so transparent. Like I'm making a play. I'm the I'm the nigga that's in front of everything, so I kind of like know it. So and that was a hard thing for me to. Uh, for me to really um, tap into because like, as I was growing and, 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 and getting in my glow, just so much shit was happening that it was like, if I go do a song and do 10 songs on this album and I bring in Landstrip Chip and I bring in this person and that person and whatever, and we write all this shit or whatever, somebody, I might not even give a fuck about the song or what the split on the song is, whatever. I might already been doing 50 other songs later, but it, I, I can't forget that I'm at the head of the shit. So mm-hmm. it, what I don't give a fuck about don't really mean nothing. I gotta make sure that all my peoples that I'm collaborating with is straight. You know what I'm saying? I can't overlook the small things because a, a small thing to, to, to me might be gigantic to the next nigga, you know what I'm saying? And then that's how the secret hate get formulated and that's how a nigga be like, boy, that nigga ain't thinking. And it really, a nigga oblivious, not even thinking about it. But And you might not even say nothing to the nigga about it that you mad about it, but you sitting back like, damn, bro, like, why the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, blah, blah, blah. And nigga, I might be 120 songs later off that shit. You know what I'm saying? The way it ain't even like that. Like, So you just gotta be more conscious of like, what's super minor to you could mean a world to somebody else and making sure that all your peoples is like in line. Like if y'all see and that, when I noticed that I really start getting in my bag too. And I was like, man, um, like, damn, I gotta just start being the only nigga that really do this shit. Like I'm the nigga that started niggas getting writer fees and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like before niggas started working with me, there was no writer fees for no writers. I was the nigga that was standing on it as the VP of the company, like, bro, Niggas would be calling me like, yo, we need to deliver these files and turn this shit in. And one of my writers ain't get paid. And I'm like, man, I ain't sending you no files, nigga. And I work for the company just to stand on it to make sure motherfuckers get taken care of. So I kind of like open that little wave up and all that other shit for a lot of people to, you know what I'm saying, start getting their bread. And then as a producer and being in the position I am now, look at it like everybody that's around me that got a deal that I eventually signed or did business with was like my songwriter, friend. Rocky, who signed me or whatever. She was a songwriter that was just doing records with me. I ended up signing her as an artist. Um, ivory scott who we spoke about earlier whatever nigga ivory scott on my single he the first nigga you hear singing on my shit or whatever ivory scott just closed a deal yesterday for his project as an artist so i'm just running around and just putting all the songwriting niggas on now like that's my whole play like fuck it nigga you can have a deal like shit ace red nigga like we working on your album who gives a fuck nigga let's get you a deal let's put everybody in position you know what i'm saying the boss up and do shit together take them niggas everywhere with me for real
1: okay so um i heard you mention land trip chip is that do you guys have something coming out already?
0: We did so much shit already. Like what? We did a bunch of fucking. Uh, ooh, somebody going crazy. <laughs> we did. Um, what's some? What's some dope records me and Chip that did together?
2: Shout out Ace Red too. He be going crazy. In the for sure. He
0: hard as hell. Yeah, Ace Red is my nigga. What the fuck? A lot, a lot. Okay, we are gonna leave it
1: at a <laughs> lot. So you mentioned so Chip probably like the fourth writer you mentioned. So what's some writers and producers that you like working with, and what's somebody that and who's somebody that you haven't worked with yet that you want to work with?
0: Um, shit. I would. I want to work with the new. I haven't worked with ATL Jacob yet. That'd be dope if we locked uh, in and did some shit. Um. I mean, as far as producers, I mean, it's always the home team. Uh, myself, Chris Sean, OG Parker, Nonstop, T Romano, um, shit, Smash David, motherfucking. Um, those were like the initial ones that was like the initial gang. And now it's just branched off and been everybody. I don't turn no beat down. If you fire, you fire. And then shout out to everybody that signed to make it sound, our company. And then as far as uh writers, shit. I don't know. I really just work with at, at right now, like on a super duper locked in mode. Like, with, as far as writers, myself, Krishan, Ace Red, Ivory Scott, um, this girl Mani.
1: Oh, I know who you're talking
0: about. Yeah, she here now. Shout out to her. And um, shit, I don't, I don't, and nobody else. Them five people that I'm working with right now, for real.
1: You ever work with Derek? Who? Derek?
0: Oh, Derek, of course. Yeah, yeah. and Derek too. Okay. Derek, my brother. We just got through working. We just did some crazy shit together. That, damn shout out to Derek. Our, our first placement together with that uh pop smoke uh outside niggas saying outside
1: that's hard
0: mm-hmm. what is it about parker and romano sound that like just messes well with you they real r&b niggas you know what i'm saying that's a fact <laughs> it, it's just nostalgia and, and you know what i'm saying and like a lot of people don't know like even look at that like and this is what i want to empower us more to do more like we we, we bigger together than to be Apart, hating, you know what I'm saying? And thinking about like, well, this, that and third or whatever, or the, the all. instead of focusing on the bad shit, let's focus on the good shit. Like, all we all going to eat off this big ass tree? Like, it's just like, we, we a community. So like, look at all the, um, speaking of Parker, like a shit, like a lot of his um recent ones and t Romano recent ones been a lot of rap shit too. Like Meg Stallion, that shit and all this other stuff. But the blessing is like my, my guy source is my engineer. So OG Parker worked with me, he meets Source. And then now OG Parker sent a beat to Source. And now, you know what I'm saying? It's Meg, you know what I'm saying? It's just all relationships and just us just passing plays to each other. So OG Parker and Mono, like, them like some main guys that I really worked with. And um, shout out to them. Like, um, them niggas just with me last night. And we around each other twenty four-seven. All
2: right, so I'm gonna put you in two scenarios, right? So I'm a producer, and let's say I'm a producer that knows how to write hooks. You feel me? Know how to song right and i know how to like executive produce in a, in a way and i just moved to atlanta like what should i be doing like give me like a six month playbook
0: i would man shit. i would just move around hit these studios you know what i'm saying see what rooms you could get in and then basically if you that creative and you that tapped in i would get you an artist that you can put that sound around or whatever that people that's probably might be on the same accord as you and if not you don't want to go that direction the next direction was just to be to collaborate with a bunch of motherfuckers so you can get in with these people. Like, damn, like speaking of Chip, that's crazy. So, um, we was at Triangle Sound and I was working. I was doing a bunch of shit and I had Go Grizz there and I had Billboard Hitmakers there or whatever. And we were just vibed out making demos and I have nobody to collaborate with as a co-writer. And a nigga Go Grizz was like, man, uh, what's up? Uh, let, let my boy uh Landstrip Chip come through here. He hard, he's super hard. I never met Chip before there. I'm like, you, you say hard? You're like, yeah, he hard. I'm like, I'm gonna fuck, man. Let that nigga come up here. Never met him before. He came in, we was just vibing, and um, shit, he ended up singing me a song like or whatever. Like It was one of his songs, and um, I'm like, oh, this shit hard as hell. And I'm like, yo, Billboard Hitmakers, yo, let's flip that motherfucking Tupac. I ain't mad at you. They start playing that shit. Grizz did the drums on the shit or whatever, like blah, blah, blah. We did it. The first song we ever did is um, a platinum single with A Boogie. Uh, it's called Right Back on A Boogie album or whatever. We got a plaque, uh, yeah. the first song we ever made in our life.
2: Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> so I'm a songwriter. I'm in Atlanta. I'm not a producer, but I just write songs. Like, what's ways to network and kind of just, you know, just
0: start getting work? Um, I don't know. I think it's the studios. I think that's a, a real advantage that niggas got out here that um, niggas don't really have, like, in certain different places or small towns because, like, you don't know who you're going to bump into at Patchwork if you somehow can get inside Patchwork and randomly could see somebody in a hallway or see some shit like that or whatever or, be playing your shit. is unlimited to folk you could really bump into out here. I think that the biggest thing is to be ready when you finally do meet the motherfucker.
2: Bro, who has said that in a in Like, a, in a for real, movie? bro. I think that was London J. He said, bro, when that shit come, bro, you got to be ready on your shit. Oh, oh no, he sure. a
0: smart nigga, man. Shout out to London J, man. Got, got a lot of love and respect for him, too. But yeah, I
1: think that's where like some of the best placements come from like accidentally bumping into people in the studio mm-hmm. that's why like anytime I'm in a studio with my artists, like I think like the first thing I do is ask them like who in the other room that's like the first question I always yeah, get to. yeah like Mean Streets I gotta is a know, hub yeah. for
0: that type mm-hmm. of shit bro you know what I mean who's Niggas in the other room made at Mean Streets you know what I'm saying like what's crazy is like I remember when Jack Harlow used to just be in Mean Streets or whatever, and nobody was paying that nigga no attention or whatever. Like, I could not end up collaborating with him or whatever. He was trying to figure it out. And Jack Harlow used to be living at Mean Streets. And shit, look at that nigga now. I bet they was—wish they paid attention in. They want a first no, right now. Sure. No kissy.
1: So what's your favorite album that you executively produce?
0: Mm. Uh— it's one that got slept on. I think the timer was off on that. Uh it's called My Ty. And it was Jeremiah, and Ty Dollar Sign Group album. We had came together. And that's when I was working with um Atlantic. And we had put all that shit together. And we put out a song The Light. It went platinum or whatever. It's a good record or whatever. But the album is really phenomenal. Some of my some my some of my best work on that. Shout out to um OG and T. Romano. It's a song called uh, Perfect Time and that's just amazing on that shit. Y'all need to go press play on that shit. And they really didn't get the the look it deserves but i mean other than that i gotta say um shout out to tink man my girl tink man her shit just dropped she going crazy top 20 record you know what i'm saying outside with it
1: so how did you end up as the vp of atlantic how did that come about
0: um i've been already inquiring about it because like i love motherfuckers like la reed and like i told y'all like i was inside the building with def jam and i got to see and a&Rs and what motherfuckers really do and this down the third. And I always knew, like, even after transforming it into being a producer, like, I didn't want to be just a producer. Like, I wanted to be executive inside the building as well. So I was just telling my narrative, talking to people, having little small talks as I was going on my producer journey. And then I went on a Breakfast Club and they tried to say, I well, they tried to twist it. Like, I lied about it. I'm Like, I didn't lie, nigga. I was speaking the shit into fruition. I went up there and told motherfuckers that, hey, niggas have been having talks with me about me being an A&R at these companies and just like how I did and I kind of like didn't know but I was hoping it happened as soon as I left Breakfast Club I think like maybe a couple of days later my mentor Ryan Press hit me he introduced me to Craig and Julie and I went and just told them like bro I'm the I'm the Irv Gotti of this shit I'm the Puff Daddy of this shit there's not too many people that that's inside these buildings that can have a company and create a whole sound and really, like, just go in there and be passionate about this shit. Nobody is going to, like, fucking, like, outwork me. And not only that, like, I'm not scared to say what I really mean or, or, and and really shake the room and shake the building. They believed in it and, and I became the vice president, and you know?
1: That's right. So, so earlier mean, you said they into. tried to give that's you, like,
3: every position. Like, what's the position that you want that you haven't got yet?
0: I mean, I'm, I want to... I'm gonna be the big dog, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm gonna be the CEO of one of these motherfuckers real soon. Like for real, for real. It's only it's only right. I'm still young. So I say by I say by by the time I'm forty, like I'll be like the new LA reed, you know what I'm saying? Or the new black executive that's at the head the helm of a, a, a major record company for sure.
1: And we speaking anti existence.
2: So with you being in the office like, let's say he a producer and she an artist. Sometimes you got to step outside just being a producer to help promote that artist. So what are things you could do outside of the music to help build that brand when you're trying to like break a artist?
0: Um, It's so much different shit now. You never know with the fucking TikTok and, and all this other shit these niggas doing or whatever in social media or whatever. But ultimately, we just want somebody to be a star. We know a star. It jump out the phone when you see it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like as much flack as motherfuckers... Um, giving and then as much praise getting like that Ice Spice girl she got something to her you know what I'm saying there's something to it a nigga might not know if it's gonna be here for 10 years but right. something happened to where you was intrigued by this or this 9 and 3rd like people can't deny that now it's gonna be on her and her team how active they get or whatever and how they bring the music together and take that now if I was them personally
1: gotta get home with some writers
0: um I, of course always that never hurts but i would i would i would drop the next one and not be drilled at all and take it out the box and have her on a whole different type of vibe and let that go crazy i don't think that she should just ride the drill wave or whatever i think that yeah. she should go out of there and then show her like damn she a real artist go do a joint with um your next one, Kalani on the hook or some shit like that, and you do a, a female type record or whatever, then niggas gonna look at you like way really different. are not expecting that. Like, that's what whoa, I'm like, nah, I thought this was that, and it really ain't that. It's something totally different.
1: Y'all yeah, know how I feel about girls, so I agree. How you feel about Glorilla?
0: Me, I love Glorilla. What you
2: mean she hard as fuck? I love like, Glorilla. Remember the, you remember the last interview, I was like, you know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna lie, this just put with Cardi B with hard. That I shit was hard as B went crazy. Hard. You know what I'm saying? That shit is a bomb. What
0: now? Nah, what y'all think about Glorilla? Like, we love Cardi B. shot I'm just saying. She lie. as a an artist by herself. Let's top let's take all the bells and whistles off the shit. Like, what do y'all think?
1: I think she hard. Like I she's think so too. she's saying shit that the niggas say, but in her female shit. Like, that's wild as hell. Like she's hard it's just that one song. Just... The first one?
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> what the biggest one
0: is me? That one? Yeah, it that one. What up, you
2: mean? That, that shit was. a headache. I was just saying, it's your personal preference.
0: So nah, like... it, it, it's her tone. And, uh, it, it's her just her accent. tone. Like... Yeah, she from Memphis. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... Memphis as fuck. <laughs> she real real deal Memphis. But uh nah, I think she got something that, that, that we can't say another chick got right yeah, now. Yeah, she got a new sound. She got her but own she got little time
3: vibe. To she had time to grow. But I feel like I, I wouldn't call it artist development. I don't know. I mean, every artist got to develop, some you, some you know? Some people listen to music for, like, the feel, how it's making them feel. Some people, like, are listening and trying to paint the picture of what they are saying. You feel well, me? she, no, she on a like, fast right?
0: track right now. That's the gift and the curse and this shit. She got a record with Cardi B. So now, it ain't it, as much as you might think it might be time for artist development, shit, ain't nobody got time for that. You are already <laughs> so, gone. So, shit, we got to put this shit in motion. Go, yeah. yeah, you got you to gotta learn on the fly. How does you an know? artist,
2: like, stay consistent through the years? So let's use like the baby for example, 2018, uh-huh. 2019, the baby at the top. But now it's like he just dropped an album and he getting good, you know what I'm saying? Numbers with it, but then you still got like, oh, is he canceled the baby or is he corny the baby? You feel me? Like, if he was in 2018, 2019, listening to the baby, was like, damn, I didn't think he was gonna be here. You feel me?
0: Um, shit. You know, they try to cancel the nigga. Shit. You said it. <laughs> it ain't really had nothing to do with the music. You know what I'm saying? Like he he was still Pretty consistent with the music, but you know he went through that shit, man. I ain't gonna lie, when that, that mother type of situation get on you, motherfuckers just really like kind of fall back off you. you yeah, know it's kind of hard to shake it. And then all that, and this um internet Instagram ass era, like niggas ain't really like focused. Niggas niggas rather see you beneath them than you know what I'm saying on top. Nigga can't wait to say you fell off. Nigga can't wait to say something bad that happened to you. We can go out motherfucking and do, like, some of the best shit, go feed the homeless, go hit motherfucking uh, over there by uh, Magic right now with a Greyhound station there and just film myself and hand out shit. That shit ain't going to get nowhere, bro. But say we got into a fight in here right now whatever and all this other shit, then it's they going gonna to promote right on the that shit. Yeah. The world is fueled, with, fueled off negativity. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at this shit. Like, when people die, the streams go up. Like, how ironic is that? Like, the nigga yeah, was living as hell. and you would not even really appreciate what this shit is now. But nigga, i almost gotta get smoked for a motherfucker, you know what I'm saying? To get appreciated and this, nine and and third, and now you ain't even here no more to keep going, you know? That shit weak as hell.
1: So, in 2020, you spoke about getting 50K mm-hmm. for uh, your placements. Mm-hmm. What you getting now in 2022?
0: I don't know, depending on how much I fuck with you and what the whole situation is. A lot of times, <laughs> um, on some G shit like if people want to work with me like a lot of times like and we hit it off and we see ourselves doing a multitude of records I'll probably just be like look um I'm straight don't pay me as a producer no more because it's gonna be too much let's just figure it out I exactly produce the album and just pay me one fee you know what I'm saying and then take care of all my niggas you know what I'm saying and y'all could go and you know what I'm saying because it just make more sense like that. And then you stay out the shit, you know what I'm saying? And they can negotiate their own thing and figure out what they want for themselves and get what it is. I mean, the most I've never got paid for a track, like on some brown bag shit was probably like 150000 But like on some like normal, just normal shit, I don't know, it fluctuate from anywhere like, I don't know, 40, 40 like a 40 like a low. Hmm. So what you okay.
2: charging the nigga that gave you a hard time? Ego goddamn, still be N- I
0: don't know. It should it be different. Like shit, uh Gucci Man and this Young Berg so many times and got punchlines about Young Berg, but I got multiple plaques with Gucci Man and I go in the studio and work with Gucci Man and all type of shit. So that shit really don't matter to me no more. That shit be about the bread, bro. You like, sure. nigga, yeah, niggas be caught up in the wrong shit, bro. Am, am I being paid? Am I here? Did I get the check clear? Cool. Let's do it. It ain't like That's some real shit. Niggas be too caught up in their own feeling. Oh, fuck that nigga. He a fuck nigga. He uh he tried to talk to my girl. And he nigga ain't even <laughs> know she was my girl. But you know what I'm saying? Like we was hiding our relationship <laughs> from <laughs> the world, but you know what I'm saying? He's still a hoe. But uh, this and the third, like, niggas be having mysterious and like unfortunate hate for motherfuckers that niggas don't even really be knowing. Like, what the fuck you talking about? When it's really communication is what the key is. Mm-hmm. If you really upset and this person, you consider them like somebody that you cool with or somebody like, before you crash out, just go have a real conversation with motherfuckers. But niggas will be, so when they own glow and they own feeling the way it's like, man, fuck that nigga, you know what I'm saying? It's like, damn, that ain't really the move. So
1: if a uh, up and coming producer wants to work with you, what's the best way to get in contact with you or reach out to you?
0: I mean, it probably would be like to either be where I'm at or to know somebody I know for real, for real or it'd be random opportunities to where I just throw out my email and do a different shit like that. But I can't even do that shit no more. Like, cause
1: Yo, your <clears> shit.
0: yeah, if I put my email, we make an email right now, nigga and put that shit up on my Instagram or something like that. That whole Gmail going to be full in like two hours, like for real, yeah, for real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, it'd be depressing though a little bit too, because you want to do that and you want to give niggas an opportunity, but like looking at a, a email full of 5,000 motherfucking emails. Yeah, it's kind of, like, overwhelming. Then I don't trust nobody to click through the beats, you know what I'm saying, except me. You really want to send me the beat. It ain't like I'm going to got an intern or somebody that's going to click through the shit or whatever. But I don't know. I might have, like, engineers I'm grooming start clicking through the shit, you know what i was what just saying? about to say, just you to ever thought about,
1: like, getting a um, an A&R intern? Yeah. Help you all with your label?
0: Yeah, we just got out the pandemic, you know what I'm saying? So now we all can kind of, like, flex together and do all the other shit you know i was i just recently moved i was living in la so the restrictions and the, the rules was a little oh, bit sugar. different than downhill or whatever it was more smooth down here we really couldn't be around nobody but yeah i'm interested in that man i just want to give as many people as i can opportunity for real like i think that that's gonna be my legacy like it's gonna be like a, all these hits or whatever and songs and and bouncing back and being resilient but like man look how many people we gave opportunity to just the same way how we spoke about uh, Chip coming in and that was our first placement. Like, I want more stories like that. Like, damn, like the first time I met this nigga, we caught one. And then I was able to open up different shit and open somebody else and put another nigga in a position that might be up under you. You know what I'm saying? Just to keep paying it for it. You know what I'm saying? For real. Did you check out Timberland new app, Beat Club? Yeah, I love Timberland. That's my dog. Sure. Y'all on that shit? Not yet. What you think about it? I think it's a, it's a good networking place. You know what I'm saying? Like you, could, you might could stumble across some shit, and um, I don't know, man. I just would, as a student of the game, like shit, I I would want to just be involved if I felt good about it with anything that somebody like a Timberland or you know what I'm saying that that no, got that more knowledge than me, and if you can actually have a slight bit of access to Timberland, have you know what I'm saying, some interaction with him, I think that might be more priceless than anything for real.
1: So you want to tell us about your label?
0: Oh yeah, make a sound. Our label, we got hella producers on the Shout out to Rob Holiday, Rock Boy, Maestro. Uh, shout out to all the niggas I work with Lab, AYB, my dogs, everybody. You know what I'm saying? But, um, we got artists signed to us. Shout out to um, Neek Bucks, my artist. He dropped his single on Friday, on uh, with Two Chains, his um, first single. Um, Ivory Scott, Rocky, um myself my producer album my producer album done too i think my album harder than uh every producer album that's about to come out for real for real <laughs> on so, a humble brag but uh so when
1: could we expect that
0: i don't know man that shit it, it take a lot of time like i'm done with musically you know what i'm saying but it's like clearances let me oh i will well damn i'll say i am go through my album real quick like who all on these songs uh let's see this shit is like, it's a different process. Top off is uh, Ace Red, G Herbo, and Doughboy. That one was pretty easy. Style and Bandimp, Meg, Meg, that ain't gonna be easy. Everything you wanted is a collaboration with Summer Walker, Ty Dollar Sign, and Tink. That's gonna be interesting. Rome is Jeremiah Davido on Two Chains. Pray for me is Young Blue on Chris Brown. Push up she is Rocky Two Chains and Dream Doll. Honest is P and B Rock, Big Sean and Trey Song. Status is Money Man and Young Blue. And I might gotta add one more person. That O D is Ludacris and Jeremiah. Send for me is Young Blue and Rocky. Fly is is Fabulous. Um, Jeremiah a boogie. Uh, so in and out is fucking uh, money bag. Yo, little Dirk. Um, so it's kind of like
1: oh, you got Luda back in his back? Nah, okay. Luda went this
0: crazy. Nigga just calmly like, right. said the track list. Like, yeah. you know, nigga
1: that's
0: all I'm saying. Yeah, so it's like a lot of different moving pieces: management approval, lawyer approvals, different different things that really be out your hand and your hand, excuse me. And then only that, like, you got to deal with the fact that all them artists is big artists, so they might be dropping something, or they might want the attention on something or whatever. So, gotta like figure out the oh, right man. time for release, you know what I'm saying? But I'm done, shit. So, it is what it is. And I'm motherfucker hard and all the producer albums. I'm going
3: to ask you about business <laughs> like for a producer on a small level with a small budget and big budget like what's some good investments for producers and songwriters?
0: Shit, I don't know, just a setup. Feel like, you know what I'm saying, the, the 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 only thing you really need to invest in, the labs, like the way to get your shit out. Like, I don't know about whatever <clears throat> takes to make you comfortable the way you can produce a song and and or you can write a song so as a songwriter like think about um a lot of work that i never uh, that I did with with ivory or whatever like this was early on when i first met him but he had his own setup so i would be like yo i want to talk about this i want to do this whatever this the artist i think this the foe. this division whatever and i was able to send him the song and then he was able to record it and i had to go to no studio and i had to hire no studio times it's like all right bet here open his laptop and then lay some shit down. So I think that being able to get the shit out, you know what I'm saying? That's the most important thing on, on as far as investments. But deeper than that, get you, if you in Atlanta and shit cheap, man, go get you your own studio. You know what I'm saying? You got a couple of dollars partner with for motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Like you ain't got to own it, go rent you a little spot or something like that or whatever the way you can create an energy and create a synergy to where like you can have a bunch of creative people around you and the shit going to work from there for real, for real.
3: What about like investing into other businesses that have passive income?
0: Oh shit. Me, I got hella um real estate. Um, I got multiple t- television shows that's about to come out. And then um I've been investing in other people's career within the joint venture. So a lot of my bread comes from my real estate for real, for real. Like I got oh shit. I'm outside. <laughs>
1: Takeef was just telling me that's what he dove into like after he got his bag too. For yeah, real estate.
0: hell yeah! But I was blessed because like I said, my parents was um operating on a high level already for me being a a, a young nigga. So um my dad was able to put me right in the game. You know what I'm saying? Because he was already a multimillionaire off of real estate alone. So he was able to show me the way and there I go.
1: So I heard you say a lot of major records were made on drugs. How did would you say? <laughs> how would you say drugs influenced the music industry?
0: No, I don't do drugs like that. I I don't consider what I was on as drugs. I was just doing a little ecstasy back in the day. I don't do drugs right now. I ain't never drank really like lean like that or, pop no pills or perks and that and shit. Like I think that's some, like, that's a that's a that's a um, that's a drastic decision for someone to make. You know what I'm saying? That's on them. But um, drugs is everything. The fuck. Y'all don't think that like that that shit dictate the way the whole shit go.
1: No, in this industry it do. So Nigga. what do you consider ecstasy? What what is it to you?
0: Um, when I when I used to do it, it was real ecstasy and shit. It was like MDMA, you know what I'm saying. But to me, it was more so like uh, I would just be so geeked up and so turnt that I would just go crazy and make so many songs. You know what I'm saying? I ain't never felt nothing like that before, so it was like. Helping my music You know like how uh, If y'all watch the Murder, Inc. doc Like I was around Irv and Ja And all them Like I kinda got that vibe from them And like I seen how it affected They songs And it kinda affected my songs The same way Some niggas go take XC And make some bullshit But like Niggas was in there Just making a whole bunch of records For girls And just having a vibe You like the shrooms? Yeah I've been on that recently That's I don't consider a that drug though that yeah. What you Not consider me? Me?
2: What about the dumbass shit Like what's it called Whip it. Whip it? No, nah, but oh,
0: nah. please don't. Tell me. I ain't never did don't Coke. I ain't never did, whip it. I ain't never did none of that shit. You
1: ever seen somebody do Coke
3: before?
0: <laughs> yeah, man. That's
3: super common. Man, that's that crazy. But no that no well, what's
0: wrong? I mean, that's their choice, but you got to think, like, even talking about what the music, mean, like, like and <laughs> White Hoes, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, they on that Coke. That shit damn near normal. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, some people don't
3: think, like, that shit damn near normal. Like, <laughs> I really, yeah. Man, I, really? yeah I, is. I just seen a couple times.
2: I'm just sitting in the studio and I see a nigga, I'm like, Oh, okay.
0: One of, yo, know, one of a producer friend that I really look up, that, not really look up, like, yeah, I look up to the nigga, man. He a, he a legend. Uh, He was just told me, just flat out, I like, ain't gonna say his thing, He, like, man, music going up tempo, man. These white hoes back in the club doing coke. You gotta start doing more up tempos. I was like, mm. all right. Yeah, they that, that makes sense. <laughs> cool. it do, it it do make sense.
2: Said he don't really be on drugs like that, but we know what he rap about all the time because that's what said, like, niggas. When... It's, you gotta get the people what they wanna hear. Yeah. Gotta make it move. I seen that shit about twenty one. Yeah, I said um. I forgot what situation it was, but twenty one was like. <clears throat> damn, I forget what that nigga said. He was just like, bro, y'all can't take the lyrics that I be saying. Like so that later, shit, bro. entertainment. And he was like, "What is you talking about?" Like not for sure.
0: Oh, that was basically saying
2: um. He was a hypocrite for saying that, cause like he be rapping about it was some shit that happened. And twenty one was like. I don't be on that. I be on positive shit or some shit. I forget
0: like there's that situation and niggas was like... I told you nigga be rapping about their past life or sometimes or that whatever. Too, yeah. Just doing different shit. Like yeah. niggas yeah, being... That's
3: what it was. People was basically just like bringing up his past. Like, bruh, nigga, you was on Red Ops. Like, you he was, he was on this. And it's like other said, niggas that's, that's moving different.
0: Like, I, like, I, like like when I... Rest in peace to my dog, Vaughn. Like, when I was doing all them songs with Vaughn or whatever, like... You felt like he was really on... You know what I'm saying? Like, he was on that type of time. Like, he was on... like. He was just moving like that. The energy was just like he was. He was. He was on some real street shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I ain't feel like that. He might have been one of the rappers who come around and I really felt like. Oh damn! Like nah, it, this probably him that he talking about. This ain't no fictional story. Like that nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like really, he, like he Really could right? be like that for real, for real. And it was like one of the best sessions ever. Like his best shit. We did all them songs like still trapping with him and Dirk or whatever. All that shit. Probably in um one session, maybe two. Me and London London J uh went to Miami. It's probably like the last time that me and London J really worked together too. And um we ended up doing all them different songs or whatever. We did a bunch of demos. Like I got all that shit on film and then Vaughn came and um I presented Steel Trapping to him and uh I'm like, bro, you gotta go do that shit. He like, It's your heart. He like, What you mean, do it? I'm like, nigga, go do what the nigga rapping. But make it your own. You know what I'm saying? He like, what? He like, damn, gang, y'all niggas raw, bro, bro. This shit finna be too easy. And he went in there and did it. I'm like, bro, but make it your own. Like, me and London demo don't say nothing about Tuca in and in a demo.
1: Oh, so is that how Go Grizz got the placement? Yeah. Connections.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Hang cut. It's kind of hard, though, because I don't be thinking hard. of it like that. Like, the if you switching up, like, the, the lyrics sometimes
0: and shit. You What's the, de- d- the demo? the <laughs> demo. It's example of how
3: you this the song be done. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. That's what
2: we were saying in another interview, it was like, bro, like thing with the songwriter is. The art, you still need that certain artist. Like, you could have, you could give a song, you could write a song for Drake and give it to a different person, but they ain't gonna do it how Drake do it, you feel
0: me? Nah. Quentin Miller can't pop it, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how my other motherfuckers pop I work with Quentin Miller, too. Quentin Miller's super dope. Um, But, like, when that other voice, some of them other voices get on it, and I think that's why a lot of females, um, I haven't a lot of success with that shit, too, you know what I'm saying? Because certain niggas are going there cook up some shit for females or whatever, but when... They tone and that presence just get on a record and just take it to a whole different place. Like a nigga could go in there and say it and be like, oh, that's cool. But when a girl go put her sauce on it and you get that different delivery from it, it's like, oh, no, this shit fire. That is face, though. But no, man, all them songs, boy. Every song, I, that's what's so crazy. Every song that then blew up, I got a demo to it. Like,
1: no, that's really crazy how, like, a song could change from, like, the start to the finish, like. I remember, like, hearing, um, like, one of my first sessions working with a songwriter and, like, hearing him do it, and then you like, what the fuck? But then you hear the artist get on it, and that shit just like, oh, shit, okay. Like, it's all coming together. That shit is crazy.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. All these songs, I got them all. No
2: cap. But to wrap up the interview, man, any advice you would give a songwriter or producer? Like, what's the last piece of advice you should give?
0: Man, just stay working. Keep your head down, you know what I'm saying? And come up and cook up with that shit. And then just, and to be real with yourself, if you ain't got that shit, then then keep working. And don't be in another motherfucker way that really got that shit that might need to be heard at that moment. Sometimes you gotta be smart about this shit. You know what I'm saying? You might get one shot like Eminem said, nigga. So it's like, you, you don't wanna sh- shoot a blank when you go shoot that shot. The best play, like if you around your boy and you learning how to make beats, but you actually meet me first and you know that your boy raw than you, you might be doing a better play to say, look, it's good me and you I actually cook up. But look, my dog, he hard too. But he and I've been learning him. Like, you know what I'm saying? And shoot some of that shit that way. Then that way you might get in the game. Your dog might be like, man, you a, that that's a blessing. We might write a number one record together. Your dog might give you some publishing on that shit for just making a play. Or y'all might chop up some paper behind that. It's more ways to get on than actually having to hold your own dick and, and stroll in this game for sure.
2: Yeah man, he's just Instagram real material right there. <laughs> before we
1: before we wrap up though, I definitely have to touch on this before we end because you recently got nominated for producer of the year. How do yeah. you feel about that?
0: Um, it's a blessing to kind of like be uh acknowledged for the, all the work that you putting in or whatever. But um. I don't give a fuck about none of that shit, bro. Like, I'm, 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 I'm trying to, make, I'm in the studio. I'm making the next shit, bro. Like, I don't like, like, that shit fire. Like, I love awards, and I think that that shit more so for like my family and the people that I work with or whatever to get that type of shit. Like, to me, like, I don't really be caught up in that. that it, that's all back to, to dick holding. I'm already a fly nigga. I already been me. I already been fucking bitches. I already been getting money. It's not really like caught up on accolades or this, that, and the third, man. I want to put more people on. You know what I'm saying, and if this producer of the year shit helped me put somebody else on, then that's when it's gonna mean something <coughs> for real, for real. That's
1: some real shit.
2: I right, man, that's a wrap. I appreciate you for Love coming you. on here. Thank you y'all feel niggas, me, man? For real. For everybody real. that's watching, listen, man. Go get to work. And that nigga pull out the MacBook on live. He got records <laughs> on it. <that nigga. laughs> Every time they nigga online, they nigga put the MacBook nah, right there and be like, I sure. got these songs. y'all.
0: Nah. It coming, you feel me? Nah, for sure,
2: nigga. But yeah. <laughs> well, nah, that's a wrap, man. we we'll see you on the next episode.